0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on May the 21st, 2019. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me as always, although not for long...
1: Caffeine Rage?
0: On today's show, we will of course be discussing the games that we have played... We're going to be talking about the Epic Fail sale. The Division 2 raid has been beaten on PC, but console players still can't finish it.
1: Uh, well, they uh, finished it much later. Uh, amending that because, well, time uh, delay. Valve's latest Steam blog addresses positive review
0: bombing. Valve lets players avoid toxic people in Dota 2, but they charge for the privilege. Loot boxes or loot box laws are shutting down two Nintendo mobile titles in Belgium. We'll have our weekly community corner with a discussion on game night and a Steam Discovery queue. timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm um, all right. Well, I uh, hope you figured that one out by now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how long we can make that a running joke where that I ask you how you were? And you're like, well, I hope you figured it out by now, because we've been talking for an hour, or something like that. And calling it out makes it even less funny than it already was.
1: Well, to be fair, it wasn't funny to begin with.
0: That's true. Very true.
1: Yeah, I had an interesting time on my shopping trip. Dearly nearly got rained down by a car. Yeah. So, yo, that uh, that would uh, yo, put a damper on recording night.
0: Yeah, uh, at least temporarily, um, or for, you know, the near future. Yeah, until
1: you replace me.
0: <laughs> oh, I couldn't. Yeah. Replace essentially
1: you, buddy. someone, uh, decided, uh, you know, stop signs are for losers and they cut through a parking lot at 30 plus miles an hour while staring on at their phone. Uh, and my ride chair was having me, uh, yeah, you know, go down the uh, block to meet them. So nearly took me out. Uh, but the person almost uh, took out a utility pole at the uh, same time. So yeah, that would have been messy.
0: <laughs> Some small amount of karma. Uh,
1: yeah, you know, they, they kill me, but you know, uh, wrap their uh, car around the utility pole at the same time. But yeah, I ended up kind of throwing my back out almost just, uh, Dodging out of the way. I mean, they missed me anyway, but, you know, that was, you know, insurance, and I was rather sore for the weekend, so I didn't play too much.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat, but for different reasons. Um, I had a whole bunch of time set aside this weekend initially, play some games, uh, some new stuff. I'm going to be talking very briefly about Anthem, but I had intended to play that a lot more than I got to. Uh, but I had some stuff come up this weekend we needed to help some friends out with some things. And then I wound up having to do a bunch of yard work because it, I, it dawned on me, like, so I'm, I'm house sitting for my parents next weekend for Memorial day weekend. They're going to Texas for a family reunion because my dad's from Texas. And, um, I was like, Oh, I'm not going to be home, which means that if I don't mow the entire yard, Then the backyard is going to go three weeks without getting mowed again, and it's getting warmer and sunnier, and the grass and all of that sort of brush, are like really thick grass we've got back there is going to get grown up, and then it'll be a nightmare to try and mow it. And then I was like, well, if I've got to do that, I'm going to be working in the yard all morning. There's some other things that need to be done, but I'll just get them done, and then I'll get brownie points with Katie, and she won't yell at me for procrastinating things. So... I spent like all Saturday morning working in the yard and then Saturday afternoon when I was going to play games and relax, uh, needed to help some friends out. Uh, Katie was helping them move, uh, and then turns out that some stuff went down and then they like needed food and I was like, or er, in, they needed food and they were moving so they didn't really have a place to eat. So then they came to get food from our house for dinner and I had to like clean and cook because Katie was helping them. It was like my whole afternoon on Saturday and then Sunday went kind of awry as well so I also did not get much time to play new games I played a lot more Mario Party with my kid and some things like Train Valley 2 and uh, I did the equivalent of dailies and Eve Online but you know we're not going to talk about all those things because there's nothing really new to say about them
1: so, how about what I did play? Yeah. I uh, didn't really have any, uh, odd interactions on the bus outside of one guy just randomly started talking about him growing up and, uh, being ever living shit out of his dad, which was weird. You know, there, there's something about me that people just randomly talk to me. Maybe it's just, just the fact, hey, I can talk to the cribble. He won't walk away. <laughs> Yeah, but I am excited to hear about your
0: first game, Uh, so why don't you go ahead and tell me...
1: So, the Guild of Dungeoneering, this was a Twitch game, or a giveaway game, like two or three months ago. And it's been kind of on the back burner to go back and check out at some point. And I realized Sunday night, you know, I haven't played a damn thing because I've been semi-laid up with just my back hurting like hell. So, I decided to pick up something that, you know, was pretty easy to play and uh you know get a decent opinion of it and i was kind of wrong because i'm not sure what i think about this game because it's <laughs> a little strange so the gilded engineering is a uh, another deck building game uh, that seems to be my thing lately i don't know why um beats a roguelite so sort of uh uh slay the tower is it um, Slay
0: the Spire?
1: Slay the Spire, yeah. Uh, sort of like that, but not really because, uh, it's sort of, sl- uh, me- Slay the Spire meets, uh, Darkest Dungeon, but sort of an anti-Darkest Dungeon. And I'll get to, uh, why in just a moment. So, there's two different variant or two different essentially, areas of gameplay. There's the guild of Dungeoneering itself where you're building up the guild and unlocking various things. Unlocking more loot that you can find in the dungeons, uh, unlocking new character classes, new heroes to take in, or Dungeoneers as they call them, and uh, just building out your various options. Uh, You eventually unlock blessings that you can take uh, into the dungeon which, uh, for the first level of, uh, either uh, affect the first two battles goes into or goes into effect after the first two battles, depending on which it is. So, like, uh, one is plus physical damage for the first two battles. One is plus two health for the first two battles. But then there's, like, the loot one that is extra loot after the first two battles, which is a more long-term item. It's a interesting concept. And there's a lot of interesting things here. There's a lot of humor in the game which I really like. Uh, there's a bard that constantly sings about your uh, your uh actions. So whenever you unlock a new class, it has like a I would say a 10 or 15 uh, second song about the class that's usually pretty humorous. Uh, almost limerickish. And, of course, I'm blanking on any of them right now. Uh, whenever you succeed or fail, you get a limerick. Uh, whenever you unlock a new area, you uh, get another little song. And the game is very charming in that, where you ca- uh, have this kind of semi-chill music, but then uh, the uh, narrator kind of pokes fun at you for losing. Uh, but not not Gladys, uh, yeah, level of meanness, but yeah, a little bit of Kind of just ribbing you, you know, like, uh-huh, you failed. Let's try it again, which I appreciated because I call this an anti darkest dungeon where in darkest dungeon, you know, losing a high level character is very painful. And in this at times you kind of want to throw the game and actually kill some of your own people. And that comes down to just how random the game is. And I realize, random and a roguelite. Gee, there's something new. (laughs) But no. This is... uh, Okay. You do not directly control the Dungeoneer. Alright? Instead, the Dungeoneer has a set of rules they follow. So, they constantly want to explore the dungeon. They constantly want to get loot. Some classes constantly want to get into fights. And... You build the dungeon around them out of a deck of cards, which includes the dungeon itself, the monsters, and also various loot. So gold coins, silver coins, gems, chests, that sort of thing. And on top of that... You have wells that uh, could be either a positive or negative influence for the next fight, or permanently, depending on the well you pull out of the uh, random lot. And uh, uh uh altars of fate, I believe they were called, where you uh, get divine favor that you can cash in during a battle to draw an extra card or burn a card to uh, get rid of one to get a different one. Or, uh, I can't remember what the third level is, but the more uh, favor you have, the more options you have to draw extra cards or to manipulate the battles. So, there's uh, that random element to begin with, and sometimes various characters get uh, scarred, which are essentially a either positive or negative trait. There's two different types. There's ones that just... Flat out stat bonuses. They get an extra health or, uh, they'll, uh, have an extra card to start off with. But then there's the negative ones, like they, uh, uh, are thinking very highly in themselves. So they're constantly going to seek out higher level monsters, uh, to begin with. So if there's like a level four, uh, monster, oh, I can take him. Let's go. No, 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 no you can't. <laughs> You have to try to level them up. And the only way you can level them up is by fighting either higher level or same level monsters. Either that you place onto the dungeon itself or that are there as as chunks of the dungeon that start off with. And there's various uh, rule sets like um, in some uh, instances you may get attacked at a certain point by the boss that you have to defeat for that particular adventure. Uh, For another, you may be chased by the uh, boss monster and you're trying to desperately level up and get uh, powerful enough to be able to defeat the monster. And if you lose, that character is gone. Which sometimes is a good thing because of those negative traits that uh, can be picked up. But the negative traits could also be counterbalanced if you get that uh, particular trait again. And turned into a kind of a mixture of a positive and negative trait. So, uh, the uh, I can't recall the uh, trait exactly, but uh, the one that makes them uh, seek out higher level monsters. Well, they may get extra damage against them, or they may get extra health against them. That sort of thing to try to counterbalance it. But you have to get luck of the draw to counteract that negative trait. So, yep. You know, You can see where the randomness is starting to come in and it's, yep, it's one of those things that I'm not sure how I feel about the game just because of, uh, it's a lot of luck of the draw, but if you're looking for that sort of thing, it's a pretty charming little game. Uh, I've unlocked five or six different character classes and the character classes essentially respawn after one adventure. So, uh, let's say you killed the ranger, for example. Well, they say, okay, well, you killed that guy. We're going to put out some wonder posters and get a new one. Uh, go on another adventure while we go uh, look around, <laughs> essentially. And different characters have different strengths and weaknesses. Like the ranger, uh, their thing is all their attacks are ranged. Which, for that, it gives a haste to all their attacks, so they always attack first. If that isn't the case, if you don't have a quick attack, the monster always attacks first, which puts you at a uh, disadvantage to begin with. And I mentioned this was a a deck-building game. As you progress through the dungeons, you're getting loot, and you have to counterbalance what you get. So you may get a helmet that gives you extra strength, but it also gives you a card of stupidity, which does absolutely nothing, and unlike... My game last week, uh, having cards that do nothing are very detrimental to you because they're eating up a lot of uh, space and your hand size is pretty small in this. You only start with three cards to begin with and you're only ever drawing one extra card. And some monster types love to try to mill you uh, to essentially make it so that you're constantly top decking. You are able to block those some of the time. But other times you want to have more card draw. So there's a very interesting element of trying to balance out your deck and balance out your stats at the same time. So you may have some tough decisions. Okay, well, if I replace uh, the uh, pointy stick with the ice cream scoop, and no, I'm not joking, both of those are actually weapons in the game. Uh, I may lose some physical damage, but I may gain, uh, gain some magical damage, which is treated differently. Uh, there's uh, essentially three types of uh, block in the game. The, the, the card game itself is actually fairly simple. Each side plays a card. Monster side goes first, unless you have either ranged, uh, which uh, makes it so that you go first always, or you're using a quick attack. Uh, physical damage and magical damage are considered two different, uh, two different types of attack and can be blocked by uh, two different types of block, uh, either physical block or magical block, and then there's a third type which is a combined, which will block one of each at the same time because they go off at the same time. Okay. Uh, which, like I said, it makes it for uh for a lot more strategic options and a lot of uh, sitting there and thinking, huh? Okay, do I want to uh swap? for more magical block because this dungeon has more magic creatures or do I want to focus on uh, a combined blocking and each uh, charge a block can only block uh, damage once but because physical and magical uh, damage is fired off at the same time they're considered a single round so having a combined uh, block sometimes is an advantage sometimes it isn't Like I said, there's some interesting uh, strategic choices, but at the same time, just that randomness can be very off-putting, I think, to a lot of people. If you start to understand just how the dungeon uh, works and how uh, the uh, essentially the rule set of the dungeoneer, how they move, you can manipulate it to some degree, but at the same time, you're still at the mercy of the cards. And getting someone that's been uh, that's gotten some positive traits, essentially. Uh, killed can be very detrimental but at the same time every time you go on an adventure your Dungeoneer starts at level 1 with no gear so only thing you're ever really losing is that character for one adventure and any positive traits that they may have which makes it so that the Dungeoneers feel a lot more disposable than a character like in a Darkest Dungeon for example where you don't feel as attached to them. Uh, and that, like I said. At some at some points. Whenever you have just bad rolls of the dice. Uh, you kind of want to get rid of them. And, and sometimes. It's just a no win scenario. You get a dungeon that. You're getting bad cards to, uh, to build a layout. So you're not able to level up properly. And you may just get in a scenario. Where there's no way for you to win. No matter what. Which. Can be very frustrating, but at the same time, yeah, you know, that's kind of the name of the game. I'm trying to think if there's anything else to really highlight, but I'm not sure if there is. I haven't gotten terribly far in it. The Twitch version had both the main expansions. I will say that it does feel a little overpriced for what it is. On Steam, it's I believe it's fifteen for the base game plus Yeah, it's fifteen for the base game plus another well. Well, it's 17 for uh, all the DLC, but that's including the soundtrack, which, like I said, the soundtrack, it's very uh, uh, humorous. But at the same time, it's one of those things that, over time, I'm a little concerned about it being repetitive, because I'm already starting to get the same little ditties over and over again for loss. Uh, And even victories, actually, which... It makes it so that it's not something I want to play for a long period of time, which is a little disheartening because it is a very charming game, but yeah, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, little little things like that can make a big difference in a game where that it's random. You might be going through things uh, quickly. You know, it can get old listening to the same tracks over and over again. Kills some of the charm.
1: Mm-hmm. Especially since the game only... Yeah, uh, the uh, ditties are only like five or uh, ten seconds. They're pretty short, so. Having uh, uh, only a few of them is a little bit of a downer. But I understand, yeah, you know, this is an indie title, so you know, you can't have the full orchestrated soundtrack, but at the same time, yeah. It's just, it's one of those games that, it's a roguelite that feels like it relies too much on the remnantness. but at the same time, I do applaud them for trying something very different, uh, and that you're building the actual dungeon itself.
0: Yeah, I like interesting concepts like that, and I mean, I like the way that this game sounds. I liked it when I first saw it two or three years ago, when TotalBiscuit did a WTF-is of it. Um, And you make it sound like something that I would be interested in, still... Mm-hmm. I'll have to go see because there was a little bit of time where I missed some stuff that was on Twitch, so I may have missed it. But I may have it. If not, I should look into buying it on Steam. Maybe at the upcoming sale, it's not super expensive, anyway. Yeah, it's but. just
1: yeah, it's just a it's a little bit expensive for uh, why well, I think it is, especially uh, with the, all the DLC because the DLC it offers more classes, and the favor system is actually part of the D of one of the DLCs which I think uh, does a good uh, way to balance out a little bit of the randomness. But at the same time, you have to get those rooms and you also have to lure the Dungeoneer into them, which can be a little tricky at times, particularly which they level up a bit. Thankfully, they heal in between battles. So, you know, it's not uh, uh, as of detriment to get them uh, multiple battles to try to get their loot up. But at the same time, it could be... Uh, A little bit of a roll of the dice just because, well, they may completely ignore where you want to go and they'll go somewhere completely different. Which I do get why people are very frustrated with this game because, yeah, it is frustrating that, okay, no, no, go over here and fight this lower level guy to try to get some uh, uh, stuff. No, don't drink from that uh, fountain. It's poison. You fool. But I will say uh, if you're interested in card games to begin with, it is I think it's worth a check out, at least. Uh, it's very charming, but that charm could uh, be a bit of a detriment as well, just because yeah, it could wear off pretty damn quickly. It's not one that uh, you play for a long time. I, I, actually, do they have this on mobile? I, this feels almost uh, like a better mobile game than a PC game. Right. Yes, they do.
0: Oh, how much is it on mobile?
1: Uh, it is six dollars. I'm not sure. It It looks like it has the updates for free, so uh, a retroactive PC (laughs) tax. I would say this is probably a better mobile title, actually, just because it uh, is a uh, uh, mobile is a better platform to uh, just have a very short place.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll find out. I just bought it.
1: Next time on VGO
0: Podcast. There we go.
1: I've got I'm like looking at their so other I, games now.
0: I had like ten dollars in my Google Play wallet or whatever from doing surveys and stuff. That's just been building up. So,
1: yeah, and you got to use it sooner or later. Yeah, I think it expires after a year. Yeah, but as you buy stuff, it you know, uses the oldest uh, currency first yeah but so yeah they are kind about that that, this is actually the same company that did the mobile version of banner saga
0: so we'll we'll see how good it is on mobile next next week probably maybe in two weeks
1: but yeah yeah it says uh watch out for ice cream headaches our second adventure pack is available as a free update so yeah it has the dlc and I will say that a lot of the interface felt like it was built around mobile. There was a lot of click and drag to um, move through stuff. If it wasn't built for mobile, yeah, it's definitely mobile friendly. Yeah. So I guess we'll see how uh, you feel
0: about it. Indeed, I'm looking forward to it. Um, wh- are you ready to talk about the one that we share? That's a sort of game. Yeah, that's a I think cheat? so. Alright, so for Community Game Night this week, we played Tabletop again. We played Pandemic. Um, and uh, so uh, I somewhat
1: requested one, if I recall correctly, but I can't recall who was asking for it.
0: Yeah, we just played the base game. There's a several expansions, and then there's something that you found or knew of and showed us called Legacy, which we're looking at, at potentially playing that's... Uh, Includes some like RPG like elements and it plays out a, a storyline over multiple play sessions. Um, it looks very interesting. I'm very interested in that, but you know, we needed to. A- everyone that played with us last night, except for I think Jim, had played before, but it was like we were all rusty, so mm. we had to. Uh,
1: yeah, I think our big thing was that we didn't burn cards quickly enough.
0: Yeah, but I mean, in case you don't know, uh, Pandemic is a board game where that you are you and the, and the other players are cooperating to try and stop the spread of four separate diseases. Um, and if the outbreaks get out of hand uh, or go on too long, you lose. And I mean, there's specific conditions for that, which I don't think we need to get into. But basically, if the game goes on for too long or too many cities have outbreaks in them, then you lose everyone becomes diseased and i don't know i guess there's an apocalypse or something
1: everybody turns into you constantly sick
0: (laughs) um there are multiple sort of character type cards that each have you know special abilities there's a number of actions that you can perform on a turn the different uh special cards have got special actions that some of them like reduce the cost for things or allow you to circumvent some of the complexities of a couple of rules. Um, there's one that I played that allows you to essentially just move people around on the board to other people, um, and then you can. Yeah, it plays a lot like the like the captain actually from what's the firefighter game? Um, dang it! Flashpoint. Yeah, Flashpoint. Because you can you you can do stuff but you can spend all of your action points to move other players around too and direct them so but anyways it's it's a really fun fun game um it, an issue that we've had brought up a couple of times when playing specifically tabletop simulators that we've had some games that have lasted a long time with one or two people sitting out cuz they get taken out early in the game uh and then they you know they're just sitting there watching a game play out. And there's not a lot of just like chit-chat because we're, you know, playing, trying to win. So we were looking for some cooperative board games and Pandemic is, I think, a more sort one of the, classic... One of the
1: most powerful... Uh, one of the most uh, popular ones.
0: Yeah. Um, It had been a while, several years probably since I had played Pandemic. Um, I, I played maybe twice before. But I had a blast playing last night um i mean we lost we ended up losing we just went with sort of the standard game rules and we probably should have played with the beginner rules which include a couple of characters that have very powerful special abilities that can help um, but we didn't do that so we were all sort of rusty or learning how to play and we didn't have any of the most useful sort of abilities we wound up losing we did good for a while Um, yeah, but there just came a certain point where that it got out of hand. And then once it got out of hand, it was all over.
1: Yeah. Which is kind of the point of the pandemic, you know?
0: Yeah. But what we were doing is we were all being very conservative with our cards taking probably longer than we should to move around the board, um, where we should have been playing cards. Uh, so there's cards that represent each of the cities and you use each of the cities falls into a sort of a color block. And if you collect enough of the cards, uh, from a same color that's how you can research the cure for a disease um but you can also spend those cards to move around the map and they um say I've got a card for New York and I can be anywhere on the map if I want to go to New York I can play that card and then uh, you discard it it's out of the game but you get uh instantly traveled over to New York so there's there's pros and cons to doing things like that um you move around the board faster, take care of problems faster, but then you're spending cards. So potentially you make it more difficult to be able to cure the, one of the diseases. And we weren't doing that. We were all for the most part, saving our cards. We did it a few times, but because we didn't have the abilities that let people clear out a lot more infection cubes, um, which is how the levels of the cities are marked for how badly infected they are. Um, we were wasting a lot of our action points moving more slowly. I think it's called by ferrying, but essentially Uh, you move to an adjacent city, which Uh, uses one of your actions.
1: Yeah, ferry or drive, depending on land or sea. Yeah.
0: Um, But, I mean, I I really like Pandemic. I love playing tabletop. Tabletop is one of my favorite things that we do for game night because there are so few board games good interesting board games that i get to play with people cuz most people in my life play, you know, monopoly and
1: and they think that's the higher tabletop gaming.
0: Yeah. Or uh, and they play monopoly wrong. Yeah, everyone plays everyone hates playing monopoly with me. I'm like, "If I'm going to play monopoly, we're going to use the rules, motherfucker. We're going to use the actual rules." And then everyone hates it. I've learned like how to game Monopoly, like I've learned all the statistics for like most landed on spaces and things like that. And as long as I get a few Oh, you're one of those. Mm -hmm. I want to ruin people from playing Monopoly. I used to love it. I used to love Monopoly, but then I realized like, oh, there's a whole new world of interesting board games out here. So now I just try and ruin it for people. (laughs) One of the biggest fights that I ever had with Katie in the early stages of our relationship was over Monopoly and i was I was being an asshole, but you know I was like nineteen or twenty um this was no, yeah, this is before we were married. I think it was twenty, so I mean I was just being an asshole, I deserved it, I deserved all of the what she said to me, but anyways, I'm not derailing into my past relationship issues too much, but yeah. Pandemic is an excellent board game. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything to say or add? or
1: uh, Not terribly so. I mean, it's just... Uh, the losing is part of the game, so it's... Uh, losing is fun. It's the Dwarf Fortress of uh, board games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I do agree that we just... Uh, Yeah, didn't expend our cards like we should have, so we let things uh, bubble uh, a bit much.
0: Yeah, another thing we did that I didn't think it mattered as much at first, but then you pointed out to me, was that you're only supposed to play with four people if you're not using one of the expansions that lets you play with more, but we were playing with five people. And, you know, the card deck runs out at the same rate with five people as it does with four people, but everyone gets effectively less turns, which means that more chances for uh, infection and spreading the infection can happen. So it's more difficult for one person to cover sort of an area.
1: Yeah, it makes people less responsive. And also, because the deck has spread between five instead of four, it uh, spreads out the number of cards. So there's less chance of getting the five cards you need of the same color to get the cure. Yeah which is also a problem.
0: We could come up with a couple of custom rules to play with more than 4 people cuz something that would help was the trading mechanic. The how the trading mechanic reads in the rules is that two people have to be in the same city and the person and it has to be the city that you want to trade the card in. So let's say that I want to give you or give Rage the card for New York. He and I both have to be in New York and then I have to give him the New York card. I think a good custom rule if you're going to play with more than four people is just allow trading of any cards as long as both players are in the same city.
1: Yeah, uh, perhaps. It's just one of those things that uh, it's meant to make it so that it's a pain in the ass to do so because one of the uh, roles make it so that you only need four of a particular color, which is a lot easier to get than five whenever your uh, max hand size is seven. And that's also the other thing is that we ended up losing a lot of cards to discard just because we hoarded cards way too much.
0: Yeah. I did not... I think I was the only one that didn't have to discard.
1: No, I didn't have to discard. Oh, okay. I don't think so.
0: But there are some people that have to discard multiple
1: times. Yeah. Which definitely hurt things.
0: Some of that, too, could be eliminated with some more practice, like once you know we get a better handle on how we play and how we sort of communicate and cooperate as a table. Um, mm. But, it, you know, it's one of those things take practice a little bit, a little bit of work. Um, we're going to do it again for game night. I'll mention this to, in the actual game night session, but the next time we have community game night, which is in two weeks, because you know, house sitting for my parents uh, this weekend, I won't be back until sometime on Monday. And then I'm going to have to do all the stuff I usually do on the weekend to get ready for work for the week. Um, so I'm just going to kind of call it, but anyway, so in two weeks, we're going to try again, we're going to play with the more beginner rules and utilize some of the stuff that it recommends, like using those specific characters, the medic, and then we talked about in the quarantine specialist, because the medic can clear three cubes from every city that they clear from, and then the, uh, quarantine specialist prevents the spread of outbreaks from the city that they're in and every adjacent city.
1: Yeah, which if you keep them in a city that has a lot of connections could uh, cover a good chunk of a region. Because the way uh, the outbreaks and the infections work is that if a city has an outbreak, which they get three or more than three of the same color cube, uh, they have an outbreak and that adds a cube to all adjacent cities. Yep, and they can well, chain. Yeah, and which uh, is what actually killed us in the end. I mean, we were pretty much doomed anyway.
0: Yeah, we had like but, three outbreaks in the same turn just because it caused chain reaction.
1: Yeah, and if you hit eight outbreaks, it's considered uh, the diseases are out of control and you lose. But it also made it so that there were a lot more cities primed for another outbreak that were getting... Uh, Uh, disease counters on them anyway yeah and uh, one of the interesting mechanics of the game is how uh, they simulate the uh, kind of the hot spots of disease by every time an epidemic card is pulled all the uh, previous uh, infection cards uh, get shuffled plus one new one from the bottom of the deck then it's placed back on top of the deck so you're constantly hitting the same cards over and over again
0: yeah. That that makes it really difficult. Um and it can be frustrating, but it also makes sense. Um with how actual outbreaks in recorded history have worked. Um it's a neat mechanic. But I mean, we had some places on the map that were completely untouched because, you know, we never drew the cards for their cities. Or for those yeah. cities. And then we had some places that just kept getting hit over and over and over. Yeah,
1: India was just screwed.
0: Yeah. And then we lost the Americas. We lost both North and South America. And that was how we lost the game.
1: Yeah, that was mostly due to a chain outbreak starting in uh, southern Mexico. Uh, southern Mexico or uh Central America. Just did hit there and just kind of just cascaded. Yeah. But
0: it's a really fun game. I'm, I'm, tabletop has sold me on many a board game <laughs> to purchase in the real world. And Pandemic is now on my list of games to buy. Just and Pandemic
1: Legacy, because yeah. I walked you through that.
0: Yeah, Legacy is cool. Um, I have a hard enough time, though, in my real life, getting people to get together for any sort of RPG. I imagine that would be an issue with this too, which is why I think it's very suited to tabletop.
1: Uh, Especially since uh, the physical version is very destructive as well. Uh, The main difference, uh, at least I should say at the start, because Pandemic Legacy is an evolving game. So as you both win and lose uh, games of it, you unlock extra rules that get added uh, uh, as stickers to the uh, rule cards. It changes the way cities behave, because as cities get more and more epidemics to them, uh, it essentially plays out over the course of a year. Uh, They become harder to travel to as the cities essentially uh, slowly succumb to riding and fall. So at one point, in order to go to a city, you may have to expand two cards from your hand, which becomes very difficult. (laughs) Yeah. But on the flip side, uh, if you win, you start getting, uh, extra bonuses. Uh, the characters that you play, uh, essentially level up. They may gain new traits. Any diseases that you cure, you could add a, a helpful uh, mutation to them to make it so that it's easier to cure it next time around. So it's, uh, yo, know, it's an interesting mechanic. And in the physical version, it's, yo, know, the changes are permanent. Uh, until you know you essentially beat the campaign,
0: yeah. And it tells you to to actually physically destroy cards and things. I wouldn't do that. I would just put them in the box and like a little thing. That well, the says, problem is uh, game.
1: stickers. Oh yeah, I forgot about the stickers. Yeah, because the stickers uh, go between uh, playstations, and even failing a game, it still advances the timeline. Yeah, and even and even the legacy deck. The legacy deck is essentially your. Uh, uh, your storyline you don't add uh, cards back to the deck and they're not numbered
0: I might try and come up with a system in the physical version where I wouldn't have to do all of that stuff that way I could keep it to use again cause I mean it's kind of a play once and you're done thing if you destroy your cards and put stickers all over everything and you can't take them off
1: mm-hmm. which you know say they're with, uh, with a putty knife and <laughs> trying to pull the sticker off yeah. Uh, Putty knife and a hair dryer. Come on. <laughs> uh, maybe a uh a dry erase board or something.
0: Maybe. Um. Or oh, could do like card sleeves, and then you could put the stickers and stuff on the sleeves. Although yeah, but yeah, then you use the stickers. I don't know. There's bound to be a way to do it.
1: Yeah, which I actually think I figured out how to do the stickers on the tabletop version decals
0: I've never used decals in tabletop I mean I know what a decal is I can kind of picture in my mind how it would work but yeah which uh, the,
1: the way it works is that some stickers actually go on the city cards to turn them into a city or an event card uh, the stickers go onto the uh, characters to uh, add uh, uh, both uh, pluses and negatives to them so, yeah, there's a lot of interesting mechanics to the game. And that's why I wanted to play it.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, we we kind of...
1: And, and there's also a pity box as well, which I found amusing. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, if you lose, what was it, four games in a row, you open up this one box. It's full of, like, sealed boxes and closed uh, envelopes, the physical version, that you're not supposed to touch until the game specifically tells you. Uh, through the legacy deck, yeah, which I just found fascinating. Um,
0: but we, we you know we kind of tossed this idea out to the group. There were a couple of people that said they wanted to think about it. We could always just run our own game. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, Katie. I, mean, I don't would think play. Uh, uh, Perhaps. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Have to talk. Some more with the group first. I mean, we just sprung this idea out on Monday, so. Yeah. But, anyways, yeah. Pandemic. Good game. Don't know if I have anything else really to say about it at this point in time. But, I mean, I had a a good time last night.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it as well.
0: Okie dokie. Well, then now it's my turn to talk about my only new video game I played this week. Um, which is Anthem. So, with all of the massive negative news and how poorly it's doing by pretty much every conceivable metric, I decided to go ahead and, and play it. I didn't buy it. Um, I got the... What is it? The EA Gold, the, Their Games Pass thing. Um, and I, I got the version that lets you have, like, all of their games. It's It was 15 bucks for one month um so i'm gonna play anthem basically for 15 bucks and then probably never touch it again but uh i've played it a a few hours probably about six seven hours total this past week and for you know the size of game that it is i'm still within the first half of the game i've basically only been mainlining the story to to get that down um I'm not really interested in loot grinding. Even though I really enjoy looter shooters, uh, it's more for the gameplay loop than just getting the loot itself. I don't really care. Like, I enjoyed the Division a ton, but none of the guns in the Division are memorable because they're basically real guns that sometimes have different colors on them. Um, and Anthem's weapons are pretty similar in that regard. Uh, you know, they're just... I mean, they're not real guns, but they're just generic rifle, machine gun, SMG, rocket launcher, whatever. Um, and where Anthem sort of sticks out is its, uh, visual customization system and then its abilities. Uh, each of the javelins has fairly unique abilities. Um, so in case you've somehow missed all of this sort of terminology and everything for Anthem, It's Bioware Looter Shooter, where that, um, you're basically in these Iron Man suits called Javelins. There's four different ones, and these are the equivalent of your character classes. You can switch at will as you unlock them. You unlock one every five levels or six levels. Um, like you, you can, and you can get them in any order. Like the, this, the sort of intro tutorial area has you play in the Ranger which is like the jack-of-all-trades one, but as soon as you complete sort of the tutorial set of missions, you can choose which one you actually want for your first one. It doesn't limit you in any way. There's the Ranger, which is jack-of-all-trades, kind of middle ground. Um, there's the Titan, which is big, heavy, slow, uses the most powerful weapons, can take the most punishment, but, you know, the, the slowest. Um, designed much more as like a, a tank, although it can output some pretty massive DPS. There's the warlock, which is focused more on using elemental abilities. It plays kind of like a wizard, hence why it's called the warlock. Um, it's glass cannon sort of thing. Uh, you don't want to get up close and personal. You want to stay far away, focus on sniping and then using the abilities. There's what's the fourth one? Uh, I forget what it's called. It plays the most like a warframe it's extremely fast melee focused high burst dps um you want to get in and out as much as you can it's the only one that can triple jump um and it can do the the most dodging in terms of like when you're flying around or if you're zipping around on the ground it has the best dodges um so those are the the four main uh classes or javelins or suits or whatever you want to call them most of the equipment is shared uh, there are a couple of weapons that are limited to the titan as the only javelin that can use the mini guns and grenade launchers but otherwise every javelin can use every other weapon uh, so you can just sort of you can create loadouts and share weapons among javelins if you've got one particular weapon with some good bonuses or that you just happen to like the way it feels and, and share it amongst them if you want to switch back and forth. But uh, in general, I'm in, I'm in two minds about this game. There's some aspects that I really love about Anthem. Um, it looks great. The moment-to-moment gameplay is fantastic. Um, and the fact that I personally am not a big... Don't really care all that much about the actual loot. The fact that Anthem's loot system sucks doesn't bother me on a personal level. I recognize that it's bad, but you know, I, it doesn't bother me. Um, and then there's a yeah, lot you're of weird.
1: You're playing a looter shooter for no loot.
0: I know. Um, and then there's a lot of things in there that are, are hooks, you know, that, that, that say like, Hey, this, you know, Bioware did have a hand in some of this. There's a lot of story hooks that, could go somewhere interesting in a more traditional RPG. They don't, which is, you know, why I'm in two minds about it. There's some very interesting characters that you run into. The background lore of the game itself is, I think, fascinating. Um, it seems pretty straightforward to me. I saw, I've seen a lot of stuff online about how people are confused and it's like they never explain anything. And some of the explanations are definitely in sort of their codex section for this game, which they always are. In you know, Mass Effect and um, Dragon Age both have extensive encyclopedias in the game about stuff. But the gist of what's going on so far has made sense. I mean, maybe there's some stuff more convoluted later on, but I don't. I'm not been lost about sort of the key story components. Um, so the background lore is great. Um, they're very, the, the people that you interact with as part of like what in a traditional Bioware game would be like your team or your, you know, your squad or whatever that you can pick from the characters to come with you. They're all really interesting. Um, at least, you know, at face value, but then it gets to the point where it's like, okay, well, this game is, you know, very shallow. There's very minimal amount of side quests, very minimal amount of interaction I can have with these people because it's focused on being the, you know, always online games of service looter shooter thing. So they want you to be out chasing down loot and going through and grinding and working on these missions and things and only coming back to the fort to essentially collect quests and rewards. And I see what this game could have been if they hadn't changed, if they had changed almost nothing about it, but instead of, you know, if they'd kept all the gameplay if they'd kept the same sort of direction for the game, except instead of saying let's make it an online uh, games as service game, let's make it a single player RPG type game. Um, where that you do have a lot more of these traditional RPG elements, much deeper storylines, quest lines, interactions with characters. They could even keep it fairly separated between like you go out into the overworld map for your missions and to explore and do stuff and then you come back to Fort Tarsis and that's mostly character, you know, interactions with your team, advancing the story, poking around and seeing what you can do, building relationships, just all of that stuff that you think of when you think of Mass Effect or Dragon Age. But and and the game itself works fairly well as a single player experience for going out and doing the missions and stuff. It's Designed to scale based on how many people are in your team and there's only been a couple of instances where I have been with other real players there's a few missions that have some NPCs come with you for one reason or another but um, you know I've only actually worked with real players a couple of times so the game plays very well individually and there's separate dialogue for whether or not you're with someone or not so the game already has it built in you know, where you can run these missions solo, and it just acknowledges you, the player, and then the game progresses at the pace that you want to do instead of that classic thing where it's like, oh, and there goes the level 20-something guy zooming off at the beginning because he knows where to go because he's done it before, and I don't, so I'm just going to stand here a minute and wait for the dialogue and the marker to pop up. So the gameplay itself works as fully single player. Um, you know, I would could understand if they had issues with maybe ai pathing or you know the ai handling the flight system in a non-scripted way so you don't have the squad of people going with you but it you know it still works just you going out completely by yourself doing stuff and then coming back as needed so it it's frustrating and it makes me sad to think like you know they have built an excellent sort of skeleton of a game or an excellent what's the way to say it it's like it you look at it and you know on its face and you're like aha this looks wonderful and you've got all of this stuff built in here and then it's like you know you peek behind the curtain and it's like oh there's actually nothing here it's very shallow which sucks because it's got a lot of hooks to where it could be deep and you know it also falls into that trap of well, maybe they've got more storyline stuff planned, but because it's on their roadmap or whatever, and the game's basically dead, we'll never know how the rest of the story turns out.
1: Oh, don't worry, they'll novelize it like uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, Or put it in comic books. But uh, Well,
1: to be fair, you know, I, I think the is sh- um, probably a little too shallow for a comic book. Maybe a comic strip. <laughs>
0: Touche. So, you know, I don't feel like I have wasted my money or my time. I've genuinely enjoyed what I have played in it so far. And I, I went into it with expectations that I think properly set. I think if I had jumped on this game, you know, day one, I would have been disappointed. Because, you know, I was, was hoping for more. And going back, you know, months to where we talked about this game in the past... You know, I had said multiple times, like, I want it to be good. I really want it to be good because I love this concept and this idea of, you know, basically uh, role-playing Iron Man. But I don't expect it to be good. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't expect it to be good. You know, so I think my expectations have been on the level for a long time. But waiting to this point in in post-launch to actually pick it up and play it I don't, uh, I didn't have any misgivings about what it was. It, it's still a little bit saddening to, to look at it and it'd be like, you know, you could have actually done something with this if you'd had some leadership and been allowed to turn it into something more traditional. Like, it could have been a hey, really- but Hey,
1: Bioware magic!
0: Yeah. that magic fizzled out in more ways than one on this one. Um
1: Well, to be fair, the magic's been kind of dead for a while.
0: Yeah. But I'm at the point in the story where that I don't know, I mean, we, we've we already talked about this, but I don't know if you, as in the listener, remembers when the game first came out, there was this huge complaint about um, the game artificially gaining your progress behind a bunch of random-ass challenges at a certain point in the story. I'm there, but the game, um, and and I didn't realize this, you told me this, that they patched it and fixed this or changed it, but the game tracks your progress on all of those things from the moment you start playing. So I got to that uh, quest. And I already had like three quarters of the challenges completed. Um, and everything else I can grab and free roam. So that's kind of what I'm going to be doing next time i Yeah, hop but on and still play. gaining
1: your progress for a bullshit reason.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not like excusing it. But, you know, things like that are better. And if there have been other issues along the way that have been fixed. Then I haven't had to deal with those. Um, actually, loading times is one that's a lot better. Um, they uh, changed the way that the system, the loading system works, because essentially every time you did anything, it would you would have to choose to be spit back either into the fort, which is this you know the single player portion of the fort, or the oh, I'm trying to blank on what it's called, but like a little sort of community area where you can see other players running around and then you would launch another mission from there instead of being able to just pick the next mission to launch and go directly on that because the gear matters so little in this game up until apparently you get to the max level like i've seen some posts on reddit talking about when the gear score and stuff actually starts to make a difference and it's not for a long time so you can just go mission to mission or straight into free roam if you need to um or if you want to without having to jump back to Fort Tarsus, and that saves a lot of loading... Uh, a lot of loading times. But, you know, I
1: really hope you're having Shatner pauses right about now, because... No, I...
0: Yeah, I paused for a second to, like, think. No, um, you
1: had a couple uh, long pauses there.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I paused a couple of times to think. I don't... I don't know quite how bad it was, but... I saw my... Uh, Discord chat thing, go to red for a second and then come back. But I did, I did have a couple of pauses. But anyways, also known
1: as a Tuesday night for you,
0: indeed. But uh, yeah, I mean, if there's anything else that was fixed that I don't, you know, don't know about, then obviously I don't know about it and it's not affecting me. But you know, overall, knowing what to expect going in, like I said, I've enjoyed my time with it so far. Um, I don't expect I'll ever want to come back and play it again once I finish the story. And I probably wouldn't get the chance anyways, because Anthem's probably gonna be dead, soon, ish.
1: So. Yeah, I- I'm just reading the subreddit, and it's hilarious. Uh, the answer to uh, is Anthem worth worth buying at uh, X dollars? Answer: No. Yeah. If it's not updated, then it's not a live service game. Well, true, I guess.
0: Yeah, you know, depending on what you want going in, you know, the 15 bucks feels all right to me. But if you don't like this type of game, if you're not interested in this, in looter shooters or whatever, or if you want a better looter shooter, or a a looter shooter with a better loot system, like it's not worth 15. Yeah, Warframe, or even Destiny. I I, Uh, I would say
1: Warframe, Destiny, or... At least the first uh, division. I'm not sure how the second one handles early game loot. Yeah. So, but Warframe uh, has closer to the feel of this. Yeah, I'll probably and also well the o- open world areas of Warframe. It has pretty much what you wanted was uh, instant Iron Man access uh, through the arc wings. Yeah. Now once you uh, research it, which our guild has it uh, you're able to uh, instantly call it down and be able to fly as much as you want oh and there's also hoverboards woo hoverboards uh, and not crappy little yo know, uh, boards with two wheels on them I'm, I'm talking fairly fast uh, yo, know, actually off the ground hoverboards Marty McFly style woo my brain for some reason just went free bird
0: but yeah that's Anthem. I'll probably talk about it one more time once I actually beat the story and just, you know, sort of wrap up how that went um, and discuss it. But, I mean, I'm not going to even try and do raids or any of the uh, not forward, What, you don't want to be just worried about the loot? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do the strongholds, which is the equivalent of the dungeons. Like, I might do them one time just to see how they they are but i'm not interested in running them over and over again and i've heard that a, or read that a constant problem is that people will start them get through like the first boss to grab the loot chest and then leave because that's faster than playing through the whole thing and there's no difference in the loot table the farther you go in
1: yeah which is uh i would say a slight oversight. Yeah, just just a little, you know, very. And small. also, at least according to what I read last time around, uh, you don't have a guaranteed chance of getting good loot at all. So, one of the developer streams, uh, they've uh, well, they've called it purple rain. <laughs> Essentially, uh, you get uh, epics and not legendaries or you know, their equivalent of it, which is purple. Yeah. Well, in one of the streams, as they were talking about loot problems. They opened up one of the final chests in the Stronghold, and it was all epics, and all the developers just went quiet. (laughs) It was hilarious. (laughs) But needless to say that uh, if you're looking for a good looter shooter, this is not it. If you're looking for a good Bioware game, this is definitely not it. If you want to pretend to be Iron Man for a while, well, this is probably your best option on PC or I would say in general, there hasn't been a good Iron Man game, has there?
0: No. I've heard that the VR game, the Iron Man VR game is interesting. Uh, but I don't think it's out yet. I think it's just like pre-release stuff. So, But the, the Iron Man movie tie-in games are garbage. And other than that, I'm not sure that there's been an, any Iron Man game. I mean, Iron Man features in some other Marvel games. Iron Man's pretty good no, Lego no. Marvel Super Heroes. I-, I was about
1: to say, wait, man. Uh, uh, the Lego games, th- there's your Iron Man game.
0: Yeah, but Lego Marvel Super Heroes continues to lose my save data, so I'm mad at it. I'm not playing it. My kids yeah, pretty much that- stopped asking to play it, too, because Mario <laughs> Party, so...
1: <laughs> yeah, but it has to be more enjoyable than uh, Anthem, right?
0: Yeah. Um, But, yeah.
1: I... I- I just had a thought. Um let's see, uh, settings, preferences. I wonder if you could set a Dropbox uh folder on the <laughs> save site so that it constantly updates and whenever it loses it you could just refresh from Dropbox. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I could probably do that on pi- on PC, but it's on Xbox that I've got it, so.
1: Well, there's your problem. You're a peasant.
0: Well, my kid's not quite versed in keyboard and mouse yet.
1: And you're starting him on uh, GamePad? Uh, gonna have to call Child Protective Services now.
0: He's, he's big into the Wiimote right now. He likes to point at things.
1: Well, how about we point and laugh at something?
0: Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's move on (laughs) to our first news topic of the night, which is slightly editorialized, although given the headlines that I've seen, it does sound honestly. I I would say
1: this is actually con compared to some of the headlines I've seen.
0: Very true. Uh, The Epic Fail Sale. So. Plus, it
1: rhymes, so, you know, that's even better.
0: Indeed. Almost as good as Alliteration.
1: Yeah, but not quite. So, um, if you haven't been paying attention to gaming news, there's been a slight sale over on the Epic Game Store, because every single site decided they had to uh, cover it. And, um, I I believe Clusterfuck would be the proper term for this?
0: Yeah. So, Epic, um, I mean, you know, they're having a store, or a store, a sale on the games in their store. Um, and there are several things that they have done, which at face value are like, oh, that's pretty cool, that's epic. Trying to like be, you know, big and competitive against Steam again, but they were implemented so badly, it's just a fucking nightmare. So, the one of the things that they did was that uh, they're offering ten dollars off on any game that is more than fourteen ninety nine. Correct? Am I remembering that correctly? Because I'm not. Uh, yeah, this. it was
1: fourteen ninety nine. Any game, and that includes pre-orders. Anything on their store. Was ten dollars off, and in and, uh, here's the kind of the kicker is that they were taking out their own pocket. They uh, highlighted the fact that the developers still got f- their full cut. Mm-hmm.
0: And you're so like, oh that's wow, that sounds great. Epic is like continuing to push this whole we're good to publishers thing, but. They didn't tell anyone that they were doing it.
1: <laughs> including pu- the publishers.
0: Including the publishers. So, for some of them, it doesn't matter. But for others, they have specific written contracts for having things like price parity with all platforms. So, that includes consoles, other digital markets. Um, then, with the pre-orders, if you get a game, uh, that you know, if you pre-order a game for less than what it is, you're devaluing the product. And... and Creating potential disparity between uh, customers or consumers and for PR I, nightmares. I, I,
1: and and here's the kicker, all right, uh, or at least the kicker for this particular part, is because of how Epic handles their regional pricing. Some games was hitting the uh, price in some regions, but not others. Mm-hmm. So some
0: games you could get for a discount in one region, but not for a discount in another. Which caused some issues because there was, I can't remember the specific game. There uh, Hades
1: was... from, uh, uh Supergiant games. Uh, they actually missed the price and they kind of panicked and they raised the price by $5, uh, which, uh, brought the price on all regions up by that. So then that caused more backlash because they were all getting already getting backlash for not, uh, you know, having the sale on all regions. So then they had to drop the price again back to where it was, and it's just what the
0: fuck. Yeah, and that's just the first issue. There's more that we'll get to. The more things that they did, but that this is just the first one. So, um, it's my just brain just took a left turn.
1: I'm sorry. Oh, did you at least have the blinker on?
0: <laughs> nope, it just swerved, and I had a crash. Uh, it's just. Oh, oh, okay. So here's where my brain was going. With this, because of this, some games have to, at least temporarily. I don't think anyone has said they've permanently done it,
1: but some well, games have yeah, temporarily. I, I was, removed... I was treating that as a separate option because there was no opt out option, right? Because they'd never told anyone about this. They sprung on, well, they didn't spring on everyone, but some major publishers wasn't informed about about this. So, because of contracts or because they just didn't want to have their game devalued, actually had to pull their game completely from the Epic Games Store. And this includes some pre-order stuff. This includes some games that has uh, been out for a while. It's just gone. It, because the Epic Games Store doesn't have the option to opt out of the sale.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think the most notable game that did it was Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2.
1: Uh, well, uh, Borderlands 3 as well, and that oh, has a massive okay. campaign going on right now. So, for as long as this sale goes on, which I actually don't know when it ends, you can't pre-order it on PC, and that's the only place that you could get the damn thing. Because of the exclusivity uh, uh, contract that they have. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Tell me again how it's not a problem to have a game on only one store. And you can't really say that about Steam because Steam still has third-party sellers of Steam keys.
0: So the sale goes until June 13th. So that's one, two, that's three more weeks.
1: Yeah, which I think uh, late June is when uh, the uh, Valve Summer Sale starts.
0: Yeah, I think they said June 20th was the leaked date. Or something like that.
1: Uh, well, I'm doing a quick search. Da-da-da. Date leaks for June 25th. Ah, fucking autoplay videos. It's not even related to this. It's a fucking Fortnite video. Why Why is this on a uh, article about uh, Steam Summer Sale uh, dates? I don't so, know. Sorry, I might have a slight psychotic fucking hatred about that.
0: We were, we were talking about Epic Games and it knew, so it gave you Fortnite.
1: Uh, but yeah, pretty much it ends just before the Steam summer sale. I mean, that's, I mean, let's be perfectly honest here. That's why this is so haphazardly thrown together is that the date leaked and it just happens to end the week beforehand. Really?
0: Yeah. So, um, that's issue one. This whole contract thing. Developers didn't know. Games been pulled. Actually, that's a combination of issues. Yeah, but that's...
1: yeah I was treating that as two different ones because uh, of all of that. And because the Epic Game Store is so feature-rich...
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the other big issue, or biggest issue, is uh, people who are buying multiple games on the Epic Store because of the sale are triggering a- the fraud protection because there's no shopping cart, so you can't buy multiple items at once. So you have to make multiple individual purchases. And there's a limit. And that's
1: trigger, Yeah, and that's triggering something in their anti-fraud, and it's actually banning accounts. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing is that I- I'm not sure if it's on the Epic Game Store, but I know if you got locked out of Fortnite, you're getting locked out of your Epic Game Store account as well. And you couldn't download your games, or at least for a time being. I'm not sure if they fixed that or not.
0: I'm going quickly scanning through this article that we've got talking about. It that says if it says, um,
1: but yeah, I'm I'm going to say amateur hour. Or I mean, more so than usual.
0: Yeah, I just telling people that they can't buy games when they're trying, like locking their accounts when they're trying to buy games just... ah, God, that's so Not not even have a
1: shopping cart and trying to do a mega sale where people are going to buy a lot of games.
0: I wonder if they didn't expect how many people will buy games on PC when they go on sale. Like, you know, they have learned no lessons from Steam, so I didn't expect them to pay attention to anything that's gone on with Steam sales. So I wonder if they just weren't expecting people to want to buy multiple games when they go on sale. Like sometimes all well, it takes is 10 bucks for someone to to drop yeah. some money on something. And uh, they've especially, got
1: especially uh, especially if it's a $15 game, you know, right at that uh, $15 threshold and it drops down to 5.
0: Yeah. But I mean, it, you know, most of the games on their store now would have dropped at least $10 because of their $10 off deal. You know. So sometimes that's enough for people. Even it, like you especially like you said but you know dropping something from 35 to 25 45 to 35 like
1: well also the pre-orders because uh, this applied to pre-orders as well until you know some of those got pulled you know, yeah uh, someone that was wearing borderlands well uh they well borderlands is a bad example but uh yeah uh, let's say uh yeah someone o- a pre-ordered a game for full price oh crap there's 10 bucks off cancel the other pre-order and get that and while they're there, they see, oh, well, uh, this, uh, indie titles, uh, five bucks here. I'll get that. Oh, I'll get this one in, uh, as well. I'll get this. Oh, I'll get that. Oh, I'm locked out. Now, I don't know the exact number of games uh, for this, but the fact that it's been popping up quite frequently, um, I'm going to guess it's not a lot or a lot in quick succession.
0: Five games. It says five on- game in this article. If you five buy games. Five games. Uh, in 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 a row.
1: Uh, how how long a time frame?
0: Um, it doesn't say. Uh, it just says if buying just five games in a short period of time was enough to get his account flagged as potentially fraudulent. I would. I mean, I would assume. That, that, pretty- that's
1: just. That's stupid. I'm not pulling punches here. That is just brain dead.
0: Yeah. No. This. Yeah. I'm not. There's not a devil's advocate to play. They really screwed the pooch on this one.
1: (laughs) Uh, It it would be hilarious if it wasn't so sad. I'm laughing anyway.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're Uh. laughing at them, not with them.
1: I mean, people uh, bet and moan uh, that Steam, uh, the store goes down for, what is it, like an hour or two on the first day of the sale? But that's just that massive rush, and then the store is pretty stable for uh, most of the, uh, of the sale. Yeah. Uh, this th- this is the equivalent. Uh, I would say the biggest thing that uh, Steam has had uh, issue was with us uh, with their Steam store during a sale. Was uh, I guess it was what was it two years ago? A year ago? No, no, it was two years ago uh, when they had the caching issue. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah, I remember that. That was at the Christmas sale a couple of years
1: ago. Yeah, I mean, even that was, uh, it was just, it was showing information, but it wasn't anything that was uh, dangerous to know, you know? Yeah. There's been no, you know, mass bans because somebody bought a game too quickly. But then again, you know, you could throw all your sales in one shopping cart and be done. Yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, well, I, I'm going to borrow the joke from Sid Alpha. Epic would be putting the cart before the horse on this if they even had the cart to begin with.
0: <laughs> yep, that's fair. That's very fair. Well said, Sid Alpha.
1: Yeah, it's. just I, I'm just. I'm still in a disbelief of how poorly this is handled. But hey, the uh, shopping cart's on the roadmap, so it's okay, right? Yeah. It it makes me wonder how many people uh, tried the Epic Game Store and are now solidly uh, anti-Epic.
0: More than a few. I don't know if it's enough to make a meaningful difference, because again, the internet, you know, there's a minority of people who yell on it a lot. But I mean, it is making waves, and I've seen um, some things where developers are... Being, well, reacting uh, well, terraria.
1: well, uh well did you see the post about Terraria? I didn't no. put it on the docket uh, uh, they said that they would never take an epic uh, store exclusive uh, contract because it, they felt like it was selling their soul to the devil or, words, it, or, or, not- or, or it was selling their soul uh, but you know I'm aeratorializing a little bit but yeah selling their soul typically has that connotation doesn't it
0: ugh <sighs>
1: Yes, indeed. Th- that's the most vocal. There's been a couple coming out that said that they will not take an exclusivity deal.
0: Yeah, I don't think I would. <laughs> not at this point. Maybe in the first run, you know, they could just they would pay out enough money. And I have no idea how much money they're paying out now, but I would suspect. Well, they would be uh, there was a-
1: several million for just a little indie game. I, I I shudder to even thank the amount of money that they threw at Borderlands Three
0: several millions of several millions.
1: Because that uh, uh, Borderlands 3 is probably their uh, headline game right now. At least uh, on their upcoming games. Yeah. So (sighs) the the fact that they had to pull that from sale just because they're devaluing (laughs) a game that it has this massive marketing campaign behind it right now. It's just, it it just shows just the uh they they're they're tapping into the Bioware magic. They're just doing things and hoping it works out.
0: Bioware madness.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, they can. I don't. You know, realistically, I have no idea how many more mistakes like this they could make before it costs them so much that it's not worth it anymore. But. Whenever you watch, you know, documentaries or listen to things talking about how big companies fall, like it's these sorts of things that are always the kicker to it. They make a massive, massive mistake that they could recover from, but they don't. And then they make another one and then it starts a spiral. Hmm. And, you know, I don't know. Because, I mean, they've had some little things, some little PR issues, right? But, I mean, companies survive PR issues all the time. Yeah. But something I mean, like this. I just look at EA. <laughs> right? Something, yeah. Something like this, though. I mean, behind the scenes, stuff that we're not going to know about or hear about for years. You know, years. I bet there are a lot of people with a lot of power and in, in various publishing companies and the the ones even behind that that, you know, control the purse strings like Tencent Although is it 10 cent backs epic? Right. Mm-hmm. But even they might be, you know, like, what the hell are you doing? We're giving you all this money. You're screwing up all these deals. Well, so the, uh, these are the companies. Like, I bet there's a lot of conference calls and yeah, emergency but- meetings that have been called trying to figure out how to correct this issue. And I bet a lot of confidence has will have, will have been shaken, you know, that we won't hear anything about behind these closed doors.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, we're also dealing with Tim Schweeney here, so... yeah, Schweeney.
0: Schweeney. I like the way he said that. Schweeney.
1: It's just... uh, He's kind of... Right? Yeah. I mean, he's... uh, Let's just go to his Twitter, just to uh, see what he's saying right now. Uh, He's uh, retweeting a lot right now. trying to... Just waiting for things to blow over, I guess.
0: Doing damage control.
1: Let's see... Uh, anybody speaking out on or uh, for or on behalf of Epic makes their Epic association clearly visible online when we've run paid promotions. Uh, basically, talking about ads, so I guess there's uh, some controversy going on there.
0: Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, obviously, I'm not saying that it's over for Epic, but no, this could be like you know, in ten years when you get the. So what went wrong with Epic Games? Why have they now, you know, been bankrupted and bought by whatever company? I feel like this would be the inciting incident that's like, well, they really fucked up on this one because they thought they had could get away with it or something like that, you know? Just like, I've been listening to lots of... There's this podcast I started listening to called Business Wars that talks mm-hmm. about these companies that, you know, it sort of follows a narrative It goes back and forth between rival companies and things like that. And one of the like the first one that they did was Blockbuster versus Netflix versus HBO.
1: (laughs) How how Blockbuster had a chance to just buy Netflix outright.
0: Yeah, but they didn't. And then they kept making mistakes like this over and over, and it just kept costing them until they were done. And it's like there were so many points along the way where that they could have corrected it, but they didn't because of their hubris, essentially. Or the hubris of the people in charge.
1: Yeah, there was also an interesting it was a YouTube video. I'm gonna have to go dig it up for you about Redbox.
0: Yeah. That
1: would, uh, yeah. Uh did you know where Redbox actually started? No. You'll 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 never guess this one. But it's a uh, a restaurant chain that's associated with the color red and maybe a little bit of gold. McDonald's? Yep. Huh it started as a subcompany of mcdonald's uh back in the 90s when they were doing uh video rentals in some uh uh franchises that's interesting but and they essentially split it off into its own company and it it's kind of floundering right now to be honest just because they can't compete with netflix
0: i mean no yeah no, not nobody few can compete with netflix Amazon, mm-hmm. Hulu, yeah. HBO,
1: yeah. Which Amazon? That's cheating.
0: Disney, when they their streaming service goes live, just because they've got fuck you money, and they could
1: yeah. Uh, operate and they also have fuck you uh, lawyers.
0: Yeah, and they own. Yeah, I don't. I was about to say fifty percent. I don't know how much IP they actually own, but a lot of it. But, anyways, um. How so much yeah, is
1: this the oh, and this ought to be interesting.
0: Between like uh, business wars, and you're wrong about another podcast I listen to, where they talk about stuff like this. It's like there's, you know, there's always like a moment, and it's like this is the one, like this is the big moment. And if they course corrected, but they doubled down, and I, I feel like this could be that moment. If they don't course correct, if they double down, and they keep doubling down, that this is spells the beginning of the end. You know, in five damn. years
1: when we get the documentary. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I went to the Wikipedia page. They have a list of uh assets owned by the Walt Disney Company, and it's rather long. <laughs> I would imagine. So.
0: Um yeah, do you have any anything else to discuss regarding Epic uh, and this whole thing? Anti
1: reporting and laughing?
0: Yeah, it's to just.
1: That. Th- this is just one of those things that it I think this at the core of it at least some of this is them wanting to compete before they really can uh, uh let's take it back to iron man they can't run before they could walk and they're trying to and they're just falling on their face over and over again because their store does not have basic function uh, functionality they do not have the business history or the i would say the business acumen to know you do not Screw over the publishers. You're trying to make this a very publisher friendly uh, storefront. It's the going as far as saying that the storefront is made on their business deals for the most part. You know, screw, you know, actually getting little things like customers, right? Yeah. And they're so caught up on trying to out valve valve that they keep failing over and over and over again. And it makes me wonder just how leery any companies that hasn't signed giant exclusivity deals are because they're at the whims of complete and utter fuck-ups. There's no other way you could call this.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a disaster. PR nightmare, an issue with...
1: And the fact that several companies may have broke their contracts out of absolute no fault of their own just due to something that the store that they're selling exclusively on PC did out of just a whim. Yeah. It would make me highly leery of uh, any uh, contract to sign to exclusivity on this. No matter how many billions, unless they agree to cover any legal fees due to their utter incompetence.
0: Yeah. I, if I was one of the, one of these publishers, I'd be going to my lawyers being like, so how do we get out of this contract? I feel like they have (laughs) breached their contract with us. How do we, how, how do we quit this?
1: And that's uh, not even including just the absolutely massive amounts of negative uh, publicity that, uh, is circulating around games that uh sound these deals uh let's just see uh, i'm just trying to find any other games that's talked about it uh, uh here's one from Tim schweeney saying that uh, epic store want to say, uh, accept crappy games <laughs> because that makes you feel better huh yeah uh, which on the front, that's one of those things that he says that, you know, it sounds like, well, that's not such a bad thing. But There's a balance between Steam's complete open door policy and what Epic is doing, which is what Valve used to do. Uh, here's another one the Epic store won't sell uh, unrated adults only games, so uh, no booby games. So, you know, there's your interest gone, right?
0: Wah, wah. <laughs>
1: Considering this is kind of on his whim, it also makes me wonder just how much he's curating to his personal tastes, right? Yeah. (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry. Yeah, because that's one thing Valve had, or is actually continuing to have, is the visual novel, and I would say anything that has an anime uh, aesthetic to it, Uh, just because of uh, the corporate structure of Valve. Uh, it seems like some of their employees just are a lot more harsh towards uh, those types of games, so they uh, get knocked down a little bit. It makes me wonder if that's uh, the same thing will happen over on the Epic Game Store, just because, yo, know, it seems like it's complete amateur hour over there, so, you know, it's something done on a complete whim, right? Yeah. No baptizing uh, anime girls, <laughs> which was something I sent uh, you earlier.
0: Yeah, I haven't. I haven't watched it. I'm going to, but I I didn't get a yeah, chance. Yeah, just before the just reporting. the thumbnail of that though. Um. Okay, let's scoot on over to our next news topic. Now, thank you, Forbes. I don't want to accept notifications from you. Um. Yeah, so, I hate
1: that websites do that.
0: So you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This has been. Uh. Well. Uh. This was released the day after the Division Two raid released which was uh, console uh, people were uh, complaining about not being able to beat the game or beat the newest raid. That's since changed. It's been beaten on, on all consoles, but it took three days to do so. So, yeah, it's, uh, the Division 2 raid has been beaten on all platforms now, but it took a lot longer on console players than it did for PC. I think that's a better title.
0: Yeah, so the division raid was beaten the within the first twenty four hours, right? On PC. The yeah. first the day of release. Um and at the time there were multiple raid groups on console that went through and were unable to beat it. And I I don't know any of these like raid groups or streamers that are mentioned, um, or that, you know, supposedly tried to do it but were unable to. They just gave up because of how difficult it was. And uh, you know, just looking at this. Uh, some of it has to do with PC master race. Um, don't you mean glorious, glorious PC master race, because on the PC version, they, and one of the articles that we have talked about it at, you know, higher frame rate more precision with keyboard and mouse allows you to, you know, be more precise, get the, the headshots. I mean, they don't phrase it exactly this way, but get, you know, get those sweet, sweet headshots. Cause you don't have aim assist dragging it to their chest or whatever. Um, yeah, that's one thing I, th- I always
1: hated when playing a, a shooter on, with a controller.
0: But the sort of game design aspect of it is that you can't over-level for this raid. Um, it yeah, which was set just at the max weird. gear score. So um, it was exemplifying uh, the bullet sponginess of The Division, and then... Um, the only way that they were thinking that you could beat it was that you'd have to focus on grinding out weapon upgrades that give you massive damage increases so that you could actually overcompensate for how spongy they were.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a very weird thing that they uh, had it where the raid wasn't gearing you up. Essentially, it, all the gear in the raid was set at the max gear score, uh, 500, So, or in the... 495 to uh, 500 range so you weren't actually getting geared up to uh, meet the level of the raid which is just so weird I can't think of another uh, game that's done raiding like that
0: yeah
1: um... I mean I used to be an MMO player I realize MMO uh, RPG versus MMO FPS is two different animals but the basic mechanics Of how gear works still applies where going into a raid that doesn't give you better gear until the very end is just so weird because of one of the major mechanics for as long as I've raided which was I would say about 11 or 12 years worth of uh, raiding across two major MMOs was that the or raid was always a step up in gear, and you farmed the earlier stuff to essentially gear up to approach the later stuff. And a raid usually took a couple weeks, uh, maybe a month, uh, for the bleeding edge players to be able to beat. With and I realize this is a lot bigger raids than what the division two likely has, but then uh, slowly uh, the more casual players are able to trickle through as they learn the tactics and uh, essentially over-level the bare minimum that's required. But this, you're not able to do that at all, and that's so strange to me.
0: Yeah. Destiny's raid, at least the first one, the only one that I've played, did feel a lot like um, old WoW raids in terms of scope. Size and scope, and having to learn interesting mechanics for how to beat the boss. Because one of the things about old WoW raids was you'd have to learn, like, okay, what do I need to do to maybe avoid damage? Or what does this phase of the raid do? Like,
1: yeah, that's how one does the thing boss I miss about the, the old WoW raids. I didn't get to pl- uh, play Mountain Core outside of the anniversary uh, uh, event of it, but having it where, okay, well, this particular boss may send out a shockwave and you have to jump to time it so you're jumping over it, for example. I'm just pulling a mechanic out of my ass. Yeah. Um, or uh, this uh, boss does a huge, uh, uh, powerful AoE, but uh, during the course of the fight, uh blocks of ice appear uh, so that you could hide behind them and they uh, shield you and the AoE shatters them. And you have to tr- uh, uh, trick the boss to use uh, this ability. And I believe it was actually that—that that was a uh, an Ice Crown Citadel fight. I believe it actually was targeted on a player, and the player was able to dictate where the ice block was before it froze him. But yeah, you know, mechanics like that, or having some sort of environmental thing, or some of them were just essentially gear check DPS races. But yeah, it was a, a learning process. And this, the fact that, yeah, uh, the first day uh, the uh, PC players were able to beat it, and this enraged the console people so much that they were calling it unbeatable. Um, Welcome to MMOs, fellas.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a certain amount of that where I'm... Like okay, like this sort of gatekeeping attitude can be frustrating, uh, but at the same time, like I'm
1: not—I'm trying not to gatekeep. I'm trying to explain that this is how MMOs used to be. How it wasn't handed to you; you had to work for it.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like depending on the attitude in which that's presented, like MM or raids are difficult things that you have to work to overcome. Like that's what makes them what they are, and. You know, as gaming, I guess, has changed, the way that we approach raids now is different than how it used to be. But, you know, this provided a taste of, just a small taste of how raids used to be. And,
1: you know. I would love to throw some of these guys, I realize this is gatekeeping, into some of the old EverQuest raids. (laughs) Because that got uh, absolutely batshit insane. Yeah, and that and that's just the ones I was present for. There were some that were uh, the actual fight. I believe the in fight for planes of power was several hours. Uh, with uh, there were built in breaks, but it was uh, pretty much a full timed uh, experience. Are you looking it up? I, I, I'm, I'm just seeing how long it is to beat Planes of time. Uh, And it's a little tough to find because plane keeps tra- uh, triggering to some other things. Plus that's also an old expansion. But yeah, it's uh, a lot of the old raids were timed encounters or they were very long encounters. They were had very tough mechanics. They had, uh, some of them uh, were not, uh, very, uh, obvious of what you had to do. So uh, there was a lot of trial and error before tactics were shared between guilds because at least in the very beginning, uh, tactics were very closely guarded. It's, that's the other th- thing that's really changed is that there wasn't the streamer culture where uh, you wouldn't have the, World first kill happened live on Twitch. I remember the early, or uh, all my EQ stuff and uh, the early WoW stuff. Whenever there was a world first kill, it would be a week or so later. It would be an edited video so that they didn't give away the tactics. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just a different, you know, it's a different world now with how that stuff is approached because everybody wants to show off how they did it.
1: Yeah, and I, I think, think they should be getting on my lawn.
0: <laughs> I think, to some extent, the way that we approach you know the collective, we approach braids, what does work to lessen the amount of time that it takes to beat them. Um, I know a lot in a lot of ways they have become more accessible, um, which typically means that they're easier in some way or another. But with everyone sharing stuff constantly all the time on social media streaming on Twitch, uh, uploading YouTube videos, and things like that, um, that just sort of by the nature of it, it becomes easier for someone to learn how to beat it because there's so much information about it. And that process happens a lot faster because instead of having a guild of, you know, a 100 people, let's say, just for an easy number, figuring it out, and that having to be done every time for a while until someone... Does finally post a full video or a breakdown on a forum or something somewhere, you know, everyone has to figure out how to do it on their own. Whereas that's no longer the case. Like once it, the code is cracked, so to speak, it's out there for everybody mm-hmm. and multiple collaborators and sort of trial and error can be sped up a lot by, you know, streaming and posting these videos and things. So I, some of it is definitely that I'm not, I don't, I don't think it's all down to changes in design, development, and accessibility. That's part of it. But another piece of the you know, the puzzle is we just share things a lot more via social media, streaming, and YouTube than was possible then. And that speeds it up just by nature of disseminated information. It's interesting, though. I mean, we, we've kind of went in a couple of different directions, but it, it does seem like it, it, the mechanics were designed with PC audiences more in mind, which is fine if you're going to do that, but then not compensate it in some way for the console players. Seems like bad game design. I mean, you know, we joke about PC Master Race all the time on here because we're primarily PC players. I mean, you're exclusively PC. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Well, a little bit of mobile.
0: But, you know, if you're developing a game for this massive audience, you want to try and take all of the... Different, or at least the most major differences in how the game will be played on different platforms into account. And even something as small as controller design between the Xbox and the PS4 could make or even uh,
1: FPS because the way it uh, handles is that if there's like, and I, I don't know uh, the actual raid mechanics for this, and I don't think you do either. But no, I've never read uh, it but the, the f- division, uh, but the fact that. Uh, the uh, uh, extra precision uh, seems to uh, point towards either weak spots or some sort of timed shooting uh, mechanic. So if there's a... Uh, so long that uh, a weak spot is available for... To, for Just uh, easy way to say it. Yeah, uh, let's say the glowing red spot, he uh, takes damage only when it glows. Well, just the fact that uh, the FPS difference... Uh, between console and PC, uh, either uh, 60 or uh, 30, or, you know, somebody that may be running 120. That reaction time uh, takes into account the amount of time it takes them to aim. It is a lot faster to aim with a mouse. Ridiculously so. Uh, unless there's some sort of snap uh, to the uh, controller, which it sounds like there isn't. Those uh, two factors by themselves would make a raid on console that isn't compensated a lot more difficult. Yeah. And the fact that uh, the console players were uh, yelling and screaming about saying that it was impossible makes me think that yeah, that sounds like it really wasn't designed for console players in mind. I don't think anybody tested this with a a controller. Now, the fact that somebody eventually beat it, you know, Uh, says to the contrary, but it took them three days of constant playing uh, from the sounds of it. And for the final boss, it took them nearly a day. So, yeah, that tells me that something is going on there, right? Yeah. I mean,
0: you know, it could have been that this is what they had in mind, though. Maybe it was designed that way on purpose, which doesn't excuse it. But if the idea was to make it more challenging and then by virtue of PC being a better platform, whereas the consoles were maybe the target platforms, then the PC players found it easier than was intended as opposed to console players finding it harder than it was intended. Yeah,
1: that, that kind of reminds me of uh, when I was playing GTA San Andreas. Um, originally I played it on the PlayStation 2 and I found it, uh, yeah, you know, it was playable, but you know, there were certain aspects of it that were a little difficult, particularly the firing range. And there were some missions when I eventually just got it on PC. I went to the uh, shooting range and I was expecting a challenge and I just blew through it in one setting without really even thinking about it. And I, that's kind of drove home just uh, when I was switching primarily to PC, just how much more difficult it is to aim with a controller, even when you're used to it and have a lock-on mechanic.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we could be looking at this backwards. Like, the whole way we've approached this conversation is it was designed for PC and it was too hard on console. But what if the console experience was the intended experience, it was designed for console, and by that virtue, it was easier on PC? Which doesn't excuse it. I I still don't think that excuses it. But it does, you know, provide a different... Narrative. Yeah,
1: te- yeah. It tells of uh, just bad game design, or uh, or uh, a poor design choice uh, when building this raid. On top of the fact that the loot is just head scratching to me. Yeah. So,
0: honestly, I would. I thinking about it. That's probably makes more sense. Yeah,
1: yeah that possibly does. And uh, it's just the uh, console players were yelling about it, uh, calling it impossible, while the PC players breezed through it, so everybody took it as, well, the PC was obviously the uh, first uh, choice for this, but maybe not. That is well, right. I mean, uh, PC's uh, seem- always
0: the first choice for everything, though. Let's be real here. Ah, PC Master Race.
1: Well, unless you're Sony.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, Or Nintendo, I guess. Nintendo's special well, Nintendo's also embracing mobile. Oh, that reminds me. I, well, um, I don't think I'm under NDA for it, but I did get an interesting email uh, this week. Okay. Uh, Mario Kart.
0: On mobile?
1: You didn't know about this? They're doing a mobile Mario Kart.
0: No, I don't really pay attention to much news for anything that comes out on mobile.
1: Well, it's interesting, at least. Yeah. And the fact that, uh, you know, I'm in the beta for it. Uh, I can't do uh, screenshots or video of it, but I think I can talk about it. If I'm not allowed to talk about it, don't tell anybody.
0: Okay. I won't. (laughs) I won't tell anyone. Um. Okay. So. Ready to move on to our first of two news topics discussing Valve?
1: Yeah, let's go for it.
0: So the first of two things that Valve's in the news for this week, Valve's latest Steam blog addresses positive review bombing.
1: Yeah, so so f- a w- yeah, a while back they put out a system that was attempting to silence the review bombs for off-topic reasons. That yeah, you know, uh, a good one for KSP was uh, the uh, the uh, it was the Chinese text. Uh, it took me a moment to remember the actual language that was causing the issue that when they translated one of the things on the main menu, they used the wrong gender symbol and just got, uh, review bombed by the Chinese players because of it. Because, you know, that's the sensible thing to do, Review but, bomb, yeah, or, uh, just general, uh, problems with the games, uh, uh triggers, review bombs, uh, uh Epic store exclusives have been a big one lately. <laughs> See uh, Borderlands three yeah, so they put out a system in play or they put a system in place that when there's a high number of negative reviews, it triggers a flag that they review why these reviews are taking place whenever it's considered off topic, they uh, allow the reviews to go through still, but it doesn't affect the overall score of the game. But, here's the oversight, is that negative reviews were the only ones that were triggering the thing. When Assassin's Creed Unity put out a free version of, or or, or gave away the game for free, following the Notre Dame uh, fire, they got a positive review bomb. And Valve was left wondering, what do we do with this? So they put out a blog post, uh, just, uh, was it today? I think it was actually either today or yesterday. I know I just noticed uh, the blog. 21st. So today, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's put out this I morning. Just, well, well, I noticed the thing on my Steam, uh, uh, store or, or my Steam client today. Uh, you know, the megaphone. But yeah. I wasn't sure how long it was there, uh, talking about it. And they decided, uh, since it would wouldn't change much about the overall review, that their choice was to do nothing in this case, but they're kind of reconsidering uh their uh review bomb system in general, trying to figure out how to handle things, but are still taking things at a case by case basis for now. That's how I read it at least,
0: yeah, I also read it that way, you know that whole their whole loot or not loot review bombing uh thing I just in there's terms, so few things that consumers can do. Yeah, I was
1: going. Yeah, I was going to say the reason why review runs are such a thing is that there's no way to for the average consumer to really speak out and have it seen. Because sure, you could join a hashtag on Twitter or something, but the people that are on the store page they won't see that. Yeah. Uh, if you go to the forums well, some of these developers have them locked down and will just mass-delete things. There's no real way for a consumer uh, to join their voices together to have an issue heard. So, the, va- the fact that Valve could say, well, uh talking about DRM, that's off-topic. Well, no, it isn't really. Because, you know, that's still part of the game.
0: Yeah, it's a huge issue that can and often does affect the playability of a game, the stability of a game, which, I mean, it's part of the playability, but... Uh, the you know,
1: performance. From,
0: yeah. And that's not something that's off-topic, and it's something that's worth calling out. And there might be some people who don't care about that. That's fine. But I, lots of people do in the PC space.
1: Yeah, like, uh, well, uh, 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 Rage 2, uh, right before launch... They slapped the de on just the steam store version well if they didn't remove it immediately because uh, this is Bethesda so they implemented things poorly they put the the uh, a version without de on their their own storefront essentially trying to devalue the steam version which mymad dick move yeah. it led it to that being cracked pretty much immediately so they removed de novo If that made the news rounds uh, for a a bit, that Bethesda was doing that as a publisher, I realize they aren't the developers of the game, but they are the publisher, Uh, that could have led to a review bomb, and then Valve would say, well, that's, that's probably off topic because that's not talking about the game itself. That's talking about the substructure of the game because they have done that before, and they'll just mark all those as invalid. There's no real way to really uh, get your voice heard unless you have a huge following. And even then, uh, the big voices in gaming news, uh, it uh, it feels like a lot of them are in the corporate pockets these days, doesn't it? I'm talking about the major gaming sites.
0: Yeah, it
1: does. I mean, hell, we have PC gamer. Uh, being endorsed by Epic at E3 because the PC gamer show. I mean, that's a conflict of interest right there, right?
0: Yeah. I, uh, it is. It definitely is.
1: So there's real, uh, really no consumer voice in the major, uh, journalism outlets. There's no way for uh, gamers to kind of bond together outside of review bombing. And well we're stuck with this, because, uh, yeah, there's just no way, right? Yeah. Um, but, but at the same time, the positive review bombs, it's the same deal, isn't it?
0: What do you mean by uh,
1: that? Well, uh, well there's uh, no way to really trying to support uh, a developer uh, doing something positive outside of doing the positive review bomb but that is still off topic
0: yeah no you're absolutely right it might be a little bit easier to support developers doing positive things with your wallet because it's much easier to notice spending money on something than not spending money on something Um. but other than that I mean yeah I think that you're in the same sort of boat with that
1: yeah, I've seen people talk about being able to review publishers and developers directly uh, on Steam or even have a third-party site uh, that uh, is sort of like a better critic for developers and publishers, but I'm not sure if that's even a good idea because then, you know, how do you vote with that? Because, you know, is it one person uh, gets one vote? Is it somebody that has, you know, all the games from that developer gets a lot of power because of it? Uh, what happens whenever they do uh, one thing shitty, but everything else is all right. Well, uh, everybody that supports all the other IPs will say, oh, well, you know, that's perfectly fine because it's not my game. And that's another thing that you've run into a lot, isn't it? Especially with the big publishers. You know, it's okay that they uh, screw over all the sports guys because I'm not a sports fan. Right. Yeah, you know, there's just no real consumer advocacy at all to the point where uh, and I hate uh, uh, bringing up Gamergate because I know that has been tainted just because the extreme right has kind of uh, co-opted it but that was the original purpose of it was to try to get uh, some sort of uh, uh, journalistic integrity going on but that became such a joke uh, that it's become sort of the uh calling card of oh well, gamer culture is trash because gamergate, and it's irritating because y- you get the whole see oh, uh, uh, ec- 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 in uh games generalism, ha <laughs> ha uh, very funny gaming creator, right,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: So just trying to think if I have any more. Yeah. It's just very frustrating to be a game, uh, a gaming fan these days, just because it feels like there's nobody really standing up for you. You know? Yeah. There I are, think- there, there are some out there, but none of the major voices. And it's kind of funny that we had uh, the uh, trailer pop up for. Uh, The uh, the year memorial total biscuit as we're talking about this, huh? Yeah, because he was uh, uh, the major voice.
0: Def yeah, definitely the biggest one, not the only one, but the biggest. No one has really filled his shoes. I mean, you do have some.
1: Yeah, you do have some that's uh, kind of uh, filled in uh, aspects, but no one that's uh, done the full package to the point where they could grow. Because you do have Jim Sterling... But Jim Sterling... At uh, Tom brings his politics in a little bit too much... And kind of taints his own arguments. Uh, you have uh, Sid Alpha and uh, Young Yeah, But both of them are a lot smaller. And because Sid Alpha focuses a lot more on indie games... Uh, he doesn't really get a lot more of the traction. Plus, he still has a day job. Which, no, I'm not disparaging because of that... But at the same time, it does interfere with how much how many videos he can put out, which the algorithms hate. <laughs> and Yongya yeah, tends to focus on one particular topic and just kind of hammer it to death. Plus, he has a very set format where he talks at length about the backstory of something, which a lot of people take as padding out their uh, his videos too much. Which at times, yes, it does pad it out too much, but at times. Uh, when you don't have the backstory, it's good to have it there without saying, okay, well, go watch this video. or Go watch these two videos, right? Yeah. And those are the three that I've really gone to on YouTube uh, for the most part. Uh, for reviews, I've been going to Anti uh, or uh, Angry Centaur Gaming ACG, but he hasn't been doing as much lately, or at least that I've been catching. Or it could just be YouTube screwing up again. So, yeah, it's just, there's no one really standing up for us, and it just, it feels very disheartening.
0: Indeed it is. Um. And I th-
1: th- I think that also uh, ties into the whole, uh, pe- uh, I've seen a lot of people talk about how they're tired of angry game reviewers. I've seen this pop up a couple times on Reddit, uh, just in comments and uh in, uh, actually follow-on posts as well. But I think that anybody that pays a lot of attention to gaming, uh, the gaming industry and how publishers have been treating uh, gamers, I think anger is about the only uh, uh, emotion someone could really feel uh, at this point. That's someone that has paid attention for quite a while.
0: Yeah. More negative emotions. Not necessarily just anger, but more negative emotions, yeah. anger, disgust, frustration. So, I often feel that way about the uh, gaming industry. But...
1: Well, that we ended up going on that for a lot longer than I thought.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Let's so, discuss uh, how, so,
1: so, how about some anger in the gaming industry?
0: <laughs> sure. Valve lets players avoid toxic people in Dota 2 and charges them for the privilege.
1: Oh, Valve. So, this is tied into the Dota 2 Season Pass, which also funds their, uh, world tournament. Uh, 25% of the, uh, funds goes directly into the prize pool. So, this, this is just wah, right? Yeah. Wah, 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 wah. So, tied into the Season Pass, there's a lot of different features and there's actually two here that's like, what the hell, right? Uh, but the big one is the avoid player. And I'm just going to read this verbatim from their from their battle pass thing. All right. Avoid player. Not all players and play styles work well together. To help keep your team chemistry balanced and fun, we've added an experimental void avoid player list that guarantees you won't match with the player again. Designate players to avoid on the post-game screen to filter them out of your matchmaking pool. So, this is pretty much just tag a player and you're never going to see them again. Someone Which uh, is... uh, 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 Something that should be in the game by itself.
0: Yeah, this is a standard feature that's in a lot of multiplayer, online multiplayer games. I, I mean, I remember it all the way back... When I used to play, you know, Halo and Gears of War and things on the Xbox 360, I'm sure it goes back farther than that, but being able to tag players is like, um, you know, for multiple reasons why you don't want to play with them. Um, Or even just a simple, you know, checkbox, avoid player, yes or no. I can't think of a single online game I've played in a long time that doesn't let you avoid players like that for Mm -hmm. matchmaking.
1: Yeah, I haven't done a lot of, uh, multiplayer competitive games lately. But yeah, the, uh, the only thing I could think of is they're using this as a beta test for the full feature. But even then, yeah, add it to the beta branch, right? Yeah. If they have a beta branch, of course. But the fact that you're paying 10 bucks to beta test a feature, because that's what the battle pass is. It's 10 bucks. Which is a little expensive, but battle passes it? aren't they usually about in the five to seven range? Mm,
0: I don't think so. I think ten bucks is actually. Cheap.
1: I gotta admit, I don't. I don't uh, do a lot of games with battle passes. I think the Fortnite battle pass is twenty bucks. Yeah, but that's also epic. Um,
0: I think the one for ah crap. What's the EA one? They got popular for a little bit
1: apex legend
0: yeah apex legends i think that one was 20 bucks 15 or 20 bucks
1: yeah maybe i'm just thinking a, a little bit differently you know because honestly a lot of these battle passes feel like they're you know suckering you in uh, especially uh this one where you could actually pay, okay so the base one is 10 bucks but you could pay 30. And skip half the levels of it. So you start halfway through with all the loot. Or you can pay 45 and get up to level 100, which I'm actually not sure what the max level is. It's just head scratching to me, you know? Yeah. Or you could buy uh, 24 battle pass levels for 10 bucks a pop. I just don't get it. Is this a is this a case of maybe we're old? Maybe. I'm
0: looking up more information on like the Fortnite battle pass and stuff right now. So it's a thousand V-Bucks? I don't know no. how much of V-Bucks. Oh god. Oh my antivirus just yelled at me. Apparently I opened a website that Uh-oh. I should not have. Uh uh
1: 99 cents is uh a hundred v bucks so, so it is
0: ten dollars for the basic battle pass
1: well here's the other thing is that uh fortnite is in a weird position if unless they changed it recently um uh well it's nine ninety nine uh is that if you do well enough on the battle pass, you actually earn enough money back, or the enough of the currency back, to buy the next battle pass. Yeah, and essentially keep going. Like I said, that it used to be that way. I'm not sure if it, they've changed it or not. But yeah, oh, it looks like there. Uh, how many? Uh, it says there's over a thousand levels of this. By the way. <laughs>
0: that seems like way too many that's definitely a uh, maybe I'm old kind of kind of deal
1: yeah I'm just seeing wow yeah the max uh, level is 2000 and early on you get a lot of stuff uh, every level and then it starts skipping And some of these are, you know, chat wheel sound packs. Or getting a spray that's a dunk. Or different uh, cosmetic effects. Yeah, I think I'm just old. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, hell, these battle passes that have 100 levels feel like a lot to me.
0: Yeah, if it was just a one-time 100 levels, I might... I I think I can understand that, but it's a hundred levels every however many weeks.
1: Um. Well, well, here's the other thing for me to think about. Uh, Here's the other thing to look at: is are these tradable? Because that is something. Is that the if they're tradable, then you can put them on the market and make back your money. Which is, yeah, you know, the other thing, but we're kind of off topic where we're tied up on the battle pass. But the fact that they put a, a rather important feature tied behind this paywall is just dick move.
0: Yeah. Super dick move. Good and job. I, and I when can't I think good of job, good I mean, excuses for
1: it. I mean, even, uh, even beta testing, uh, because they said experimental feature. So I imagine eventually this will come out, but. I don't like the fact that you're pre ordering to get into the beta stress test for games these days. Let alone uh, buying a battle pass to get a very basic feature like this.
0: Yeah. I don't I don't like buying into beta tests or beta periods or whatever. Pre order to get beta access. No? No thank you. But again I'm a, a oh. A grumpy, uh, cynical man at this point. So, and you also
1: don't want to break commandment uh, commandment number one.
0: Nope. Thou shalt not pre Um. Okay. So, are you ready to move on to our final news topic of the night?
1: Yeah, I think so. This one's kind of a, a I to say, a little bit of an amusing one because this is a, a an area of this that I didn't really consider at first.
0: So loot box laws are shutting down two Nintendo mobile titles in Belgium.
1: Yeah, they're getting the Belgium dunk, right? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. So they're pulling Fire Emblem Heroes and Animal Crossing Pocket Camp from mobile stores, and they're not going to be available after August 27th. Uh, at all. At, yeah, at all. And it's because of Belgium laws regarding in-game revenue models or revenue streams. Um, and they classify them as being. Does it say specifically that they are loot boxes, or enough like them that it uh, matches their definition? Let me um, go
1: into the game industry biz because I had a little bit better. Let's see in a statement uh, via Google Translate, Nintendo said that it would uh, be taking Animal Crossing, uh, uh, Pocket Camp, and Fire Emblem Heroes offline in Belgium due to unclear due to the unclear situation requiring certain in-game revenue models. So. It, they're not breaking the law per se, but it's unclear. And I'm not sure about Animal Crossing, uh, but I think you played it. I know about yeah. Animal Heroes, it didn't have uh, loot boxes per se, but it's a gotcha game. So technically, this is something that would be considered a loot box by a, a different definition, you know, or a different, uh, essentially a different coat of paint, because that's what you're really looking at here is a randomized progression.
0: So just to let you know what I mean, Animal Crossing, uh, you get like these leaf tickets. I think is what they're called. Oh yeah, it says here leaf tickets, and you can spend those tickets on. Um, they're not loot boxes. I think they're fortune cookies or something like that, like in you know Animal Crossing themed. But anyways, um, you get randomized loot drops from those, things like furniture for your camp and stuff like that. There's different rarities. And you can buy the Leaf tickets to spend on opening the fortune cookies. So, it's not a competitive thing, but it is a loot box that just goes by a slightly different name.
1: Which is kind of the gotcha mechanic from Fire Emblems.
0: Yeah. Because it's all about the rarity of the thing that you're getting. Although in Fire Emblem, with there being the competitive, like, the higher level things or the higher rarity things are always stronger. So that seems a little more clear in the the case of Fire Emblem. Mm -hmm. But if Nintendo's the one who's pulling the games, they might just be like, you know what? We're just going to err on the side of caution with these guys.
1: Yeah, and also I would imagine Belgium's not a big enough market to really worry about. So they're playing safe here.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily jump to that conclusion, it's a possibility, but Nintendo games kind of transcend a lot of traditional, True. I don't know, barriers or uh, And this is also a bubble
1: game, so you know, it has a lot lower barrier to entry. Yeah. I mean, do you not have phones? <laughs> I don't think that's ever going to go away. <laughs> no, it isn't. Not, not on my watch, at least. Not on my Uh, watch. uh, But at least it's uh, uh, relevant here, so. But yeah, just because it's a low barrier to entry and a free to play game, uh, maybe you know it would be a better uh uh uh, market for him. But uh, yeah, Belgium still only has a population of eleven million.
0: I would say that they did a cost-benefit analysis, Mm -hmm. and the potential fines and lawsuits are not worth the profit that exists, or the potential profit that exists in that market, and that's why they pulled it. Because companies break laws all the time, because they make more money than they have to spend on the fines. Yeah. So, and I mean, I think Nintendo, in a lot of ways, is a better company than others in the gaming industry, But at the end of the day, they're still a profit-driven company.
1: Yeah, I'm just comparing uh, Belgium to uh, a few other countries. Like, uh, well, uh, Google comes up with Netherlands has uh, 17 million versus Belgium's 11 with Switzerland having 8.4. The UK right now has uh, 65.8 million. But uh, can we really compare them to Belgium in uh, a couple months? (laughs) maybe right yeah that's also something that it's never going to go away is it
0: (laughs) no definitely
1: not yeah i mean belgium's not a a microscopic uh, market but it's you know definitely not the largest market in the eu
0: yeah it's not
1: a Uh, i mean it's not exactly france
0: I was going to say, it's not France, it's not the UK, it's not Germany.
1: Well, France has 66 million right now. And it's not like Italy that uh, has another 60 million. Matter of fact, if you just get... Oh, if I take EU, it just gives me the total population of the EU. That's not what I wanted. I wanted everyone. But yeah, yeah, it's not a major market, but I think you're right that they did the cost-benefit analysis and just saw that this uh, law may be a problem in the future. It's better to pull it now. And part of me wonders, and maybe this is me being cynical, which there is a shock, that do you think that they're pulling the game suddenly trying to drum up uh, uh, anger at this uh, particular situation? I mean, if it was EA, I'd say definitely yes, but Nintendo I'm not sure about.
0: I don't know. I might, I'd probably be willing to believe it if you had some kind of evidence to back it up. I'm not willing to say that right offhand.
1: Yeah, no, if it was EA, d- definitely, right?
0: Oh, yeah, no, if it was EA, I wouldn't think twice about it. I would have already had that conclusion before you asked the question.
1: I mean, EA uh, uh, has uh, asked people to write into the Belgium lawmakers say that you want <laughs> your uh, card packs in uh, FIFA. And I wish I was joking about that. No, I remember
0: when they did that last year.
1: Which, it is their right, but it makes them look like dicks.
0: Well, they probably don't really care about that. They look like dicks twenty four seven, anyways.
1: Well, I was about to say, you know, uh, you know, it's not exactly, uh, you know, a new look for them. It'd be nice if they changed their look. You know, you know, yeah, uh, you know, the summer fashion trends are coming out. <laughs> but no, um, but yeah. the... the it's gonna be interesting as more loot box legislation comes out just if this is going to have uh unintended consequences for other business models that are a lot like loot boxes that we really didn't consider like the gotcha mechanics, which you know, this is still yeah you know, a loot box by any other name right
0: yeah, it's a different flavor yeah the, yeah the,
1: yeah this is just something I didn't really consider. I mean, I'm not exactly weeping over it, but at the same time, you know, it's uh, it makes me wonder, depending on how the laws are written, what else may be impacted. And that's why I was a little hesitant to want to bring in the rule of law, but it's about the only way this is going to happen. Because the game industry has proven time and time again that they cannot help themselves.
0: Yeah. Uh, Like we were talking about last week, you have to set some serious, specific language for better or for worse that way you at least have a framework to operate under
1: yeah the fact that the phrase money left on the table is such a thing in the major publishers uh, should tell you just the mindset that's going on and why I would say a lot of people that pay attention to the industry are having negative emotions about it (laughs) it's not discussed at uh, playing games it's discussed at How the gamers are being treated.
0: Yeah. How much can we milk the gamers for this week?
1: Speaking of milking things, I think we've milked this one enough, don't you?
0: Probably. Probably. So, let's head on over towards Community Corner, Mm -hmm. which this week, do we have any tweets or anything?
1: Uh, Not that I saw. Okay,
0: neither did I. So really, that just leaves us with a quick little discussion about Game Club. Or not Game Club. Uh, game Night. Yeah, Game which, Club's next week. Which I, I said at the top of the show, we're going to be playing Pandemic on Tabletop Simulator in two weeks. Next week, I'm going to be gone. So I am not hosting a Game Night uh, or not, you know, putting one together. Um, We've got some ideas for more board games on Tabletop. Uh, I've also considered doing a movie night. Um, I've got, and it doesn't specifically have to be a video game movie. It could just be in something that we roughly agree on. Um, I've got a pretty big library of ripped digital movies that I would share. There's also Netflix. Well, I, I don't know if everyone has Netflix, but it's a pretty common thing, or you know, some some streaming service mm-hmm. we could all get on. Well, I was so. going to
1: say, remember the str- uh, the uh, bearing. Uh- uh tool? Rabbit.
0: Yeah. So we could we could yeah, we could try that as well. We never really actually tried it out, but I think a movie night would be fun. Mix it up. Um and such. But two weeks we'll be doing pandemic again. Anyone who's got some feedback on whether or not you'd like to try movie night or what sort of streaming services you do have, things like that, just go ahead and feel free to send those in to us uh either on Discord or via our email, which is what, or, Rage? It I almost is, said your real name. I don't know why. Your
1: podcast at gmail.com or you just tweet us, VGO podcast on the Twitter.
0: Yeah, I don't know why I almost just said your, your actual name. Like, I know it, I've known it for years, but I always just call you Rage, in common parlance with everyone.
1: I don't know. Maybe I was I, thinking Hey, of you. I, I'm not the shrink here.
0: Maybe I was thinking of you in a respectful manner. Oh,
1: well, there's a first.
0: I was going to say for the first time ever. Um, okie oh,
1: dokey. Uh, Music?
0: Indeed.
1: And, I- well, for the first time ever, I have a good game to kick things off. Oh, wait.
0: I don't even have my discovery cube pulled up yet I'm navigating towards that right now
1: I I was waiting for it so I've had time with A Plague Tale Innocence Follow the grim tale of young Amelia and her little brother Hugo and a heart uh, uh, rending journey through the darkest hours of history This looks very interesting Uh, So it has a lot of uh, A Brother A Tale Two Sons vibe about it just the uh, the tone that they're kind of setting with this. Uh, you're trying to tend to your uh, sick younger brother. Uh, uh, they are calling it a walking simulator, which is a little troublesome, but that's not a bad thing. That's not an instant. You know, never uh, play full priced game for the most part. It's forty five bucks. Um, you know, in the high double range, but. Actually, it has a pretty interesting aesthetic to it. It has a very dark, brooding feel about it. I don't recognize the studio offhand. They, uh, they've they done uh, some licensed stuff. Uh, they have a Disney Pixar's WALL-E on Steam. <laughs> so this looks like one of their first, if not their first, uh, independent IPs.
0: Mm-hmm. They've got Sean right? Bean doing a trailer
1: well well, uh well we know who's going to die
0: (laughs) i saw an interview that they did or that someone did with him i don't remember did they kill him (laughs) no but they asked like what what uh film tv have you been in where you uh haven't died and it was like three things everything else he's died in at some point or another but I saw something that Jim Sterling put up about this game and I've been meaning to watch it and it, it, I just haven't I gotten did, to it I yet. didn't see that yet it's just like one of his like quick looks or whatever, Jim Pressions that's what it is, mm. it's one of his Jim Pressions videos yeah, I just
1: looked at yours and I'm pretty sure that's on my queue just because it's giving me my queue interface but uh, go for it
0: yeah so the uh, my first game actually, Swag and Sorcery
1: this looks uh, like a phone game just from the interface
0: yeah, maybe, but it looks interesting. Uh, grind for resources, manage your own fantasy village, create and equip your heroes, and send them to collect swag and swag and sorcery. New streamlined RPG from the creators of Punch Club and Graveyard Keeper. Both of which are fun, interesting games. Uh, to play. Uh, so, uh,
1: published by Tiny Build. Tiny Build has a Humble Bundle going on right now, by the way.
0: Oh, that's right. The, the Humble Bundle rollover. Yeah, I was going yeah, to go check it yeah, out. I'm
1: going to grab the tier one for uh, Punch Club. But uh, 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 that's the o- that's the only one that I don't have out of the one dollar t- tier.
0: But yeah, I mean, this looks like a really interesting sort of different type of RPG. Um, it's got multiple active windows or active questing. I-, I don't know how to describe uh, parties. exactly what I'm looking at. Yeah, parties, multiple active parties at once that are running through dungeons? Question mark. There's the management aspect. Yeah, yeah,
1: there's some definite mixed reviews on this. But Uh, uh, it looks like it may be an idle game. I mean, I would. Uh, A management game that that, that there's too little to do. As an idle game, there's uh, too much to do. So, an active idle game?
0: I mean, I I like to play idle games. I think that makes it much more niche than it initially seemed like it was to me. But, you know, I, I like idle games for when I'm. At work and and things and one that's maybe a little more active, so that I'm not just like sitting there all the time, not doing anything,
1: appeals to me. So I as well have a game with a pedigree. I'm just trying to figure out if this is a what I think it is. I'm.
0: uh, (laughs) What this is real? I thought this was fake. What? Okay, um, I'm dropping the link in now.
1: Well, uh, while you do that... Yeah, you know. so this
0: is Snakey Bus. Oh yeah,
1: I'll let you do that one, then I'll continue on mine.
0: Um, so I saw something about this on Reddit, and I just thought it was like a bullshit thing that somebody put together really quick, but it's the, the classic game Snake, but rendered in 3D and a bus. So you're chasing your tail as a bus and it just gets stupid ridiculous with how big the bus gets and like all the weird like wacky stunts that you can pull off to you know avoid running into yourself and killing yourself it just looks silly but also incredibly fun so yeah, you just have to go watch it go watch the trailer for it or go watch the, the I guess the gif that they've got on the store page and I think you'll know pretty immediately if this looks like a game that looks interesting to you or not. And it definitely looks interesting and fun and silly to me. Uh, it's, it's 10 bucks, which, for what this is, feels like too much money. You know, this feels kind of like mm, Goat Simulator in terms of, like, play it for a little while because it's wacky. It, you know, experience the different things it has to have and then probably not play it again. Um, but, you know... If you decide to buy it, it's your money. You pay what you want for it. That's not my call. But I don't think I would spend $10 on this, but 5 bucks, easy. And then if I could somehow get it for free, that would be a no-brainer for me. But, alright. What about... uh,
1: Alright, well, I have Druidstone, The Secret of Menor Forest. A tactical turn-based RPG from the makers of Legend of Grimrock interesting. Uh, There's some people that's calling this more like Into the Breach which is more of a puzzle game uh, but it has a very pretty art style to it uh, uh, on some of these screenshots but yeah it looks like uh, the team behind Legends of Grimrock Rock uh, made a new uh, studio called Control Alt Ninja Limited
0: <laughs> okay
1: Uh, Let's see. Tactical turn-based and tile-based battle system where every action and every turn counts. Upgrade the abilities of your heroes and your upgrade choices have a direct impact on your character's abilities. That's kind of new, right? Yeah. Uh, um, It it, it feels like a a rebuilding of the old classic uh, CRPGs with more tactical uh, uh, turn-based combat. So yeah, uh, yeah. Once again, the developers behind Legend of Grimrock uh, taking the old formula and uh, refreshing it. They are saying fifteen to twenty hours on a twenty-five dollar game. That's actually not too bad. So yeah, uh, square in the double A price range. I would say uh, I would say it's worth a check out. You got another awesome. one? Yep,
0: Pax Nova. This is a sci-fi turn-based 4x strategy game, um, where you are trying to rebuild, like it says where you lead one of several factions divided between three races, but looking at this, it looks like there's been something that's happened, and you're rebuilding in this new solar system, you're having to explore all the planets, and it looks like it, it starts out on a planet, Then you expand up into space, and then you go back down onto other planets. Um, It it looks very much, in playstyle, like Civ, um, you know, draws a lot of inspiration from I would say Civ 5, with the hex system, the way that it looks. Um, But it's got events that, it looks like it's got events that pop up very much like Galactic Civilizations does. Uh, I like the idea of starting on a planet and building up into space, and sort of having the game evolve as it goes, as long as it's handled well. But, I mean, I'm a sucker for anything that's space, and also anything Mm -hmm. that's 4X, so... anything that's access? (laughs) Yeah, this looks like something that's right up my alley in terms of all the categories that it hits, so... I'm... in? It's got mostly positive reviews, although it's not been out, air quotes, out, for very long, so...
1: Okay, well, I have Iron Marines, a real-time strategy, uh, uh, with, uh, it feels almost a little tower defense, uh, but that may be just some of the screenshots they have, uh, showing a more turly style. Uh, looks like older school, uh, campaign-based, which you don't see a lot of these days, well, you don't see many RTS in general these days, it's more of the Diablo or, uh, uh, boba uh, style these days so the fact that we're seeing a full on RTS is a rather refreshing change of pace it's single player focus uh, with a decently long storyline it looks like it has an interesting art style and I can't quite place where I've seen this before, it, lo- it feels familiar it feels like some of the old Flash games in it's art style maybe it's just the exaggerated feel of it, you know yeah. Uh, oh, that that would be why. Uh, it's from uh, Ironhide Studios, which did Kingdom Rush. That's why it feels familiar, <laughs> and probably why I'm associating it with uh, 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 tower defense because that's what they did. So that that's that explains things, doesn't it? <laughs> Indeed. That, that's a very distinctive art style that they have. That yeah, you know, I was getting that vibe just from the screenshots, though. But yeah, according to this, twenty-one uh, campaign missions across three different worlds, uh, with uh, twenty-one special operations with their own combat rules and no mercy at all. Unlock the impossible mode only uh, for the most reckless of the dauntless. So yeah, uh, and it looks like it's they're using the uh, like the Warcraft Three model where you have a, a particular hero that is a lot more powerful. They were showing a, the ability to power up things. Or maybe that's just their research system. It's a little tough to tell. But yeah, uh, definitely something to check out if you're for a uh, an RTS. And yeah, things have been a little stingy there.
0: Hmm. Hmm. What? So this is just pure pornography. Like, literally just porn.
1: Yeah, and they're swagging sorcery, by the way.
0: <laughs>
1: what you're not even sharing? No, I'm you.
0: getting there right now. I'm not going to coach any- trainer VR. You can put that link or remove it. I'll let you make the call. But there you go, Nipfo Trainer VR. What just so for
1: for some uh, that's reason? That's not even well drawn porn.
0: No, but it is just pure pornography. My videos started auto playing. Like, not just on this one, like, Ed, during this Discovery Cube, my videos have been playing for some reason, because I've gotten set to where they're not supposed to do that. And I looked away for a second, and I just hear, oh, 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 and I look over, and it's like, mmm, that's just fucking. Like, that's just sex. I'm like, okay.
1: Yeah, cool. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm rolling dough on the uh, on that one.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, that's too risque because it l- it's just literally pornography. It's what this is. And that's fine. Enjoy your pornography. But we probably shouldn't put that link in our show notes.
1: How about uh, some nostalgia instead? The Castlevania Anniversary Collection. Ca- Castlevania Castlevania. I mean, uh, is there really anything to talk about in Castlevania these days? (laughs) Uh, Outside of Fuck Konami? I don't think so. I mean, that's kind of the downside of getting this, is that you're giving them money, but at the same time, you're showing that, hey, maybe you should actually be doing games again, right? So kind of, damn if you do, damn if you don't. Uh, There are some people talking about uh, it's not a great version, so maybe you want to go emulation instead, but... Yo, it's something, right? Yeah. Hey, it's probably probably about the only way you're going to get Castlevania these days. So I'll put it on nonetheless. So
0: that's my queue. I had technically four, but only three of them we're going to put on there. Yeah. But I mean, three is pretty good oh. from a single queue for me. I had some some good stuff on there.
1: Oh well, I'm still going. I cannot be stopped. Death uh, and Request. A, a JRPG that looks somewhat interesting. Uh, Death and Request takes the classic turn-based uh, RPG and flips it upside down. Switch between the RPG action of the game world and the visual novel segments of the real world. So, yo. So, a visual novel slash JRPG. I mean, something that we've seen you know, a bit before, but interesting. Uh, Oh. Similar to games that uh, I have. Honey Pop.
0: <laughs> sure. Makes sense. Somehow.
1: Sorry, I'm just... I don't have... Oh, this developer has done a lot of uh, JRPG, so I'll probably have something of theirs... Uh, they are, they are doing the annoying thing where they translate the uh, title, but then they still have the original Japanese. So, you know, you have, well, to us, gibberish on everything. Yeah. Let's see. The developers describe this content like this on the mature content description. One of the features of this game is the attainment of several bad endings, which can range from graphically gory scenes to vivid textual depictions of character deaths. Uh, watching a, a decapitation scene, or reading an excerpt about a character's spinal cord being torn out. Well, you know, finish them. <laughs> this game contains uh, this uh, g- game contains content that may, be, may not be appropriate for all ages, including the following. Blood, violence, suggested themes, and strong language. So, interesting thing. Uh, I mean, yeah, a JRPG that's a little bit more mature. That sounds
0: interesting. Uh, I'd be down. I haven't played a good JRPG in about a year now.
1: Yeah, that's crap. Why does this look familiar? I think I may have seen this somewhere. But let's add it nonetheless. It's a decent looking point and click, and it's at least decent re- reviewed, but it has hardly any uh, post on it. So why the hell not? Irony curtain. <laughs> So, yeah, things are going to be fun already. From Matuskria with love. Irony curtain. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, I'm seeing what... uh, It looks like, uh, well, this is another developer that has a lot of stuff, a lot of... uh, In object games, but pretty well versed on Steam by this point. So, Irony Curtain uh, is a satirical point-and-click uh, inspired by the classic advi- uh, uh, adventure game. So, you know, essentially making fun of the old point-and-click game. So, you know, that could be interesting, actually. Uh, depending on how they do it, of course. Looks like it has some pretty good reviews overall. So, yeah, you know, I, I would say it's worth at least a look. As- especially if you can pick it up on sale. Because it's still a $20, you know, uh, parody game, and I don't know how long it is. You know, and parody is definitely uh, something that is very hurt or miss. Yeah. See, VR title, I'll just skip. Another VR title that I'll definitely skip, because it's Fallout. And I got Snakey Bus for my last one. (laughs) Told you it was on there, because I saw my uh, queue interface. So yeah, that is my queue. Yeah, I got a couple. Right.
0: Yeah, you're just in the dregs compared to how previous weeks have
1: gone. Um, well, I could always yeah. go do another one. <laughs> no, I'm good.
0: I'm good. We're fine. We're all fine here. How are you? How are you? <laughs> um. All yeah, right. I,
1: I, yeah, I, I didn't get to watch a Star Wars movie for May the Fourth. I wanted to watch uh, Spaceballs, but uh, it was taken off everywhere. That's the downside of uh, doing the subscription stuff, huh? Yeah. I thought about uh, doing uh, Solo, but I, I thought you know, I, I think that's probably a bad idea.
0: Yeah. Solo's okay. It's not great. It's kind of meh. Well,
1: uh, it has to be better than Life Day, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: But at least that's, like, bad in a way you can laugh at.
1: Uh, especially if you start watching the Riftrax version of it. He's eating his own nose! <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, with Discover Q out of the way, we're at the part where I say, Hey, Rage, hit him with the socials.
1: Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on the YouTubes, Gaming with Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, Gaming with C.R., And maybe someday you'll find me on Twitch once again. That's something I keep putting off. And you've been?
0: Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on YouTube by search for Gaming Psychologist. You can follow me on Twitter at JMA4707. And if you want to be my friend on Steam, send a friend request to jarthur 4707
1: If you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is DINKY. dinky <laughs> just something i grabbed off my list completely randomly because i didn't set something aside
0: i like dinky that's cute
1: yeah i have to admit that there's been many times that i'll uh hear a word and i'll just stop and just add it to the list and some of them are uh even not obscene <laughs> <laughs> or obscene sounding but once again, if you wish to contact us, you could do so vglpodcast at gmail.com with your uh, letters, your voicemails, your gaming related topics, or your questions, or you could tweet them to us, vglpodcast on the Twitter. If you wish to become one of our lovely, lovely patrons, you could do so over at patreon.com slash vglpodcast. And our patrons have paid for our Podbean account vglpodcast.podbean.com. With hosts, the RSS feed, the show notes, links to all our stuff online, and I do mean all of it. Or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLoyd, And our Discovery Q music is doobly-doo by the same artist. You can find his work over at Incompetech.com and...
0: As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice... Bye
1: now. See you next time.